Hello and welcome to ClapperCast, your weekly discussion of all things cinema. I'm your host, Carson Tamar, and today we have a bit of reunion. We have some new blood. It's going to be an interesting episode. First off, we have Jack Luke Sharp. How are you doing, Jack? I'm doing great. I've just finished uh, some Berlin Island reviews, some South by Southwest reviews. So uh, Festival Burnout is feeling quite strong, but I'm glad to sort of hopefully be very placid in this discussion and have a very, very welcoming, warming time. Oh, with with this group, I'm sure you will. We've never, ever gone off the rails. Next up, we have Jakob Flash. How are you doing, Jakob? I am doing pretty well. Thank you very much for asking. You know, I've, you know, busy, 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 you know, podcasts, writing, podcasts, writing, work, work, work. What else? <laughs> Good stuff. And then lastly, a new member of the podcast, Charlie Batista. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm pretty good. Um, I've been watching some more movies lately, getting back into the grind after a short hiatus. So I'm pretty excited to talk about these. Exciting. So yeah, so normally this show is talking about new releases. However, the release calendar is looking awfully thin. We pretty much discussed everything coming out this week. So instead of looking forward, I thought, why don't we take a look back? We're on the verge of a fight of the century between Godzilla and Kong. And hey, there's three films that have come out in this series beforehand. So let's go through them, see what we think of them, see what we think of the cinematic universe. And then we're going to give our predictions for Kong versus Godzilla. But let's start things off back all the way in 2014. Feels like an ancient time with Godzilla. I want to talk to somebody in charge. You are not fooling anybody when you say that what happened was a natural disaster. You're lying. It was not an earthquake. It wasn't a typhoon. Because what's really happening is that you're hiding something out there. gonna send us back to the stone age so in godzilla ford brody a navy bomb expert has just reunited with his family in san francisco when he is forced to go to japan to help his estranged father joe soon both men are swept up in a crisis when an ancient alpha predator arises from the sea and godzilla 2014 uh jack why don't you start us off here what were your thoughts on 2014's godzilla so I, I will confess, I, I've seen every film so far, aside from obviously the latest version of this Godzilla thing um, in the cinema. I didn't see this in the cinema and I have watched the last few days to prep and I'm actually quite disgusted with myself I didn't do so. Um, I don't know, just on, on, on the topic of God, Godzilla, I've, I've seen the original, the, the Toho original. I have got the box set from Criterion, but I haven't seen them. I have got the the Gamera box set, haven't seen them. So I haven't seen the Showa series, I haven't seen the the, the, the 2000 series, anything like that. Um, I have seen the Roland Emmerich one. It has a weird place in my heart. I'm not going to bring it up very much in this discussion. I hope no one else does. So for, for, the, for the most part, I'm, I'm not very um, in-depth on this series. I do really like them. I have seen Shin Godzilla as well, which is probably going to be the, the biggest comparison here. But first and foremost, I think this is a film like, oh, I don't really want to start with it, but it, it's a film that's sort of lost within within itself because it's very much wants to be the Jaws version of its series, but but it's catering for a, for an audience that wants or quite clearly has evolved into something very different. It's not a slow, nuanced, layered film anymore. A series 
especially after this, the, the Kong thing, but we'll talk about that. But for the most for the most part, I actually really do like this film. I like cinematography. I like Gareth Edwards. I think he's a very interesting director. This is a very strange cast. Quite clear there's a few people in here that are on the uh, brink of being something special. A few of them did, a few of them didn't. Um, I don't, I'm not going to give anything else away because I don't want to tell you which is my favourite or not, but on reflection, I think this is a really, really strong start to this series, but it's a, it's a, it's a direction that ultimately isn't followed up, and I find that quite difficult to watch on, on reflection. I don't know how anyone else feels about that, but it feels like a singular film, weirdly like The Force Awakens. There's connective tissue to it, but it doesn't feel as if it's from the same body. I know that's a strange one. I don't know what anyone else thinks. It's it's pro- it's definitely my favorite out of the MonsterVerse so far. Um, I think it's pretty like overlooked and a bit underrated in my opinion because um, you know like the second act like it just it, it does linger on for a bit and there are some scenes that could have been shaved down or and you know um, but I think the the first act is pretty entertaining. Um, I really like the third act. It's it's just like the whole finale. Um, it's really exciting to watch and. I think the sound, the standout aspect of the whole movie is definitely like the sound, like all the sound design and the score, like it just makes it so fun to watch. Like if, if you watch this movie, you have to watch it with loud speakers for sure. Um, and I, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Um, I, I just rewatched it last week for the first time in a couple of years. And, um, you know, I, I did, I did appreciate it more than I did before. Um, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that was cool. But uh, rewatching it, I was like, okay, I was able to get some more enjoyment out of it. I was able to see what it was like, what it was going for. Um, so I, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. It's not something that I'd like think about a whole lot in the future. You know, it's not like one of those movies I'd regularly go back to. But like for the time being, for the experience of watching it, I think it's a pretty solid movie. Yeah, I guess I can jump in here. I mean, I've seen every single Godzilla film. I reviewed all of them back when I was on YouTube. Now they're private because those were genuinely quite horrendous reviews. Um, But this is one I really, it's weird because I I appreciate it a lot. But for some reason, there's something about it that always kind of loses me by the end. I think first and foremost, it works well as a character study. This isn't really for the majority of the film necessarily about Godzilla. This is an exploration on grief and you have these really interesting characters who are going through a lot. Obviously, Brian Cranston is haunted by his past. And when you see historically, Godzilla works best when it's not necessarily about the monster, it's about something bigger. The original Godzilla was more of an environmentalist tale. Um, Sure, some of those editions have been shit. You can look at all monsters attack and that is horrendous look at like growing up. And if you're a child and like, it's not good. It's just not a good film. Uh, I think this film works well as that, but for some reason, always by the end, this film just loses my interest. And I think it's for a variety of reasons. I think the visual effects are great. Like you mentioned, Charlie, the technical side of this film is great. But when it comes down to Godzilla fighting these monsters, I think the monsters that he's fighting are beyond forgettable when it comes to design, even if like the quality of them are good. I never really cared about this fight. I think overall it shifts a little bit too much for me being about, oh, CGI monsters fighting CGI monsters when the human core of this one, I think is what I appreciate the most. I'm kind of amazed that I'll be the first person to mention one film that's kind of, that I, I thought was like the obvious comparison for me. I think Jack, you kind of just um, touched on this um briefly when you said oh it's kind of tries the way of jaws but to me it's like it this borrows so much from jurassic park 
it just beggars belief. Like it's just so so indebted to this film. And it's, I mean, it, I have a feeling that it's not accidental because I think Gareth Edwards looks up to Spielberg so much. Um, if you see his, I think what did, what did he do? Monsters he did. This is pretty much like well, taken out of Spielberg's playbook. But hey. My relationship with Godzilla, I mean, I didn't see it on the big screen. I lived in Germany at the time. I would have, I would have had to dr- drive for a very long time to see it, not in German, because Germans are weird and they don't believe in subtitles. They just dub everything, stupid people. Uh, but they know, they know it themselves. They, they hate it anyway, but, but they do it anyway. So it's just a very weird culture. Anyway, I have a feeling that this is, this is out of... Like, when you watch it in isolation... And when when it when was the only one available, if you just disregard all the Japanese ones, so the Toho and uh, and anything that kind of came before it, like and I and I know like most of them, like ninety nine percent of them is pure schlock, right? But if you disregard them, this kind of stands out as something I don't know singular, something special. But if you watch it in, like back to back to back with uh, with with the previous two, with the uh, well the ones that actually came afterwards, it kind of just gets lost in the shuffle at least visually. Because like if you think about colors and so like Kong's very colorful, the uh, the the King of the Monsters is very colorful, and this one's brown. <laughs> so, um, so I always kind of have a problem with this. And then every time I rewatch it, especially that I rewatch it after sort of the other ones come out, it kind of goes down a little bit. I'm not still, I still, I'm I'm not sure where it will now fall in my rankings. So I still haven't decided. So it's gonna be a surprise. Um, but um, I will say this in. Every single time I watch it, like something starts irking me. And there's one thing that always that always kind of stood out to me, and I didn't know why. And I think it kind of just pertains to all three of them. There's always one part of this where I'll either lose sort of focus, and I will have to rewind a few minutes because I'll just either lose focus or I will simply fall asleep for five minutes. Because I usually watch it in, in, late in the evening. But there's always some somewhere in the film. And it kind of goes for all three. There's like five minutes that I will always not remember. So I'll have to just, okay, well, I have no idea what's happening. I have to rewind. But there's one thing that always, like every single rewatch, that's kind of just irks me. And this time it's Brian Cranston who overacts like a motherfucker. <laughs> so I, I, I can't take him seriously when he goes like, I need to see my son. Like, it's just, I can't take him seriously. So, <laughs> so um so I don't know, like in terms of like opening statements, because I'm, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm getting into details now. I do, I, I like the fact that it owes so much to Jurassic Park and just has like scenes lifted from Jurassic Park almost like the year uh, when, uh, when they, Sirizawa and Sally Hawkins her character, they see um, where the one, the first Mutos kind of just escape from somewhere. It's literally like the scene where Hammond visits um, Ellie, uh, Ellie and, well, Dr. Grand and Ellie Sadler, what was their name? Um, in, in their little sort of um, dig somewhere in Arizona or wherever, New Mexico. So it, you know, they hold their hats the same, like it's all, it's all lifted from, from Jurassic Park. But um, I kind of like it for that. It's very Spielbergian, it's very sort of, there's big action, small actions, or some big action and small drama kind of tries to sort of kind of find some kind of a balance and for the most part it does, but it has problems. So yeah, that, I'll, I'll leave it at that. And you know, I'll, I'll just shut up for a second. Yeah. Can I just add something as well? Um, do you know, not to go on a, I know I've spoken about the Star Wars thing and, and Jakob spoke about the uh, Jurassic Park thing. A couple of nights ago, um, I had this thing, I don't want to go off topic here, but every so often I like to revisit Man of Steel. 
I've what I've seen Justice League recently, the the Snyder Cut. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by it, if not impressed. But we'll leave that for another another day. And I always, every so often, with the latest comic book film, I always go back to that. And I always, I always up my score ever so slightly. It always becomes more endeared to me. And and last last few weeks, I, I watched it. And I, I watched it on a, on Blu-ray, all for the sound. And I think I've come to the conclusion with that film is that. And the please, this becomes relevant, don't worry. I can see Cass and Chris in the background. But I feel that that film is, is there is one part to it and then there's a second part to it. And I like both parts, but I don't like them together. And I think that's what I feel like the same about Godzilla, where I take Carson's point about it has, in, in its, in, let's say the first half of it, before we actually get introduced to, to Godzilla or, or, or the or when they're in, in Japan with the, uh, when Brian Cranston has his little moment. All, everything that before that, I find that's deeply laid to Godzilla's law. Like that's very Shin Godzilla, the environmentalism, it's all emotion, it's all character driven. You've got Godzilla as a third party into it. And then the, the film has to change at that point and it becomes something else. And I, I, I find that for me personally, I think that's the issue that everyone's talking about here. It's that that, that, that issue where pe people get lost. I think they, they do get lost three quarters into it, but the drag starts at the halfway point because it becomes a different film. And it's very subtle, and it might even be very subconscious, but I, I find that it's just too distinctively different for me on, on a rewatch. And A Man of Steel has the same issue. I'm like, where, I, I just get to the point where Zod turns up, and I'm just like, where, where has this come from? This is a totally different dynamic of a film. We've been speaking about immigration. We, we, have, we have the, the Jesus allegory. We have... We have you know, not finding your place in this world. And then you just have a fucking destructible ending. I find the same thing happens here. And I feel like it's a product of its time as well. I feel like that it's like a quota. You have to fulfill certain tick boxes. And I think, I don't know, I don't see the Spielberg thing as much as you do, Jakob, but I know you're a big fan of it. And I feel like you could put one and one together and get four anyway. So I appreciate that. But I think it's an interesting thing where, you look at the films around this time, especially within this sort of action adventure genre, they have this sort of very strange lifespan where it's the first half is something and the second half takes on a very distinctive evolution. But it still has it like the reason why I think this film works though, because it's still layered quite well and it feels like there's strong connective tissue here. Whereas you look at something else like God, anything in the recent years that has two distinctive palettes, it doesn't quite work. And I, I, I just find that it doesn't hinder the experience for me, but it's the one thing about this that the other two don't have. Although I do have a strong feeling that the latest one will have a very similar um, feeling because of, I imagine, what's going to happen in the ending. But I don't know. I, did, I don't know if anyone else thinks it's just my little theory about it, but I just feel like this era, it's just, there's something not quite right of it. But I also just want to ask really quickly, Carson, as well. You know, you talk about you get lost three quarters of the way through, about halfway, didn't you? Yes. Do you find the same with Rogue One? Yes, though I'll say the beginning of Rogue One, I like drastically less than the beginning of this film. Okay. But yes, I would so, say I would agree. So it's not, is it an Edwards thing for you? I think so. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think it's exclusive, but maybe. It's different I find to compare that... the two though, because if you think about Rogue One has been extensively reshot as well. So it's a bit of a hodgepodge. So yeah, I think like, that's yeah. 
I just so don't like, like Rogue One. Like, I think more than well, this. I mean, fair, fair play, but you know, like, when you think about like con- like thinking where you, in the film you kind of just get lost, and then you think about okay, well, is it structural or what? It's very difficult to kind of use Rogue One as an example because that one, I have a feeling that there's quite a lot of hands that went into shaping the final product. Like Edwards, I have a feeling that may have even been like I don't know, just like asked to stay outside of the editing room at some point. I don't think the editing is the problem in that film. I find that if you watch Monsters, which I, I don't want to, I'm not going to spoil anything if Charlie or you guys haven't seen it. I, I, Jakob, have you seen it as well? Oh yeah. Well, the, the, that film is very full of character. It has yeah. a yes. very strong DNA to the, to Godzilla. Like the, the monsters in the background. That's a third party. It's the world that's being built, but primarily we focus on two characters. And Godzilla has that, but it has it on an expanded budget. Very much similar. But see the differences. In, I don't want to spoil monsters for 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 Carson or Charlie, but um, well, as you say, like in in monsters, you have two characters in sort of on a journey, and then mm-hmm. the sort of this science fiction is kind of like the entourage to it. Like it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. The, this film's called Godzilla. Like you can't make it the uh, background. <laughs> like this see, film I, is I, about I, a I big would lizard. I disagree with that. I think it works. <laughs> I mean, it I it tries to, but I think it it where it's where monsters succeeds and this doesn't is that. Um, I mean, it does to an extent, but it kind of fails at like three quarters of the way through is because uh, for two reasons I want to I want to say it. One is it's it's kind of has tries to have this sort of Spielbergian um, like a set piece driven action as in you'll have these small characters kind of just dri- driving the progression of the story by jumping from one action sequence to another. So you, you'll see like the Aaron Taylor Johnson is on a train and he has to, um, I don't know, he, he end, ends up with a, with a small child, it, exact, Jurassic Park once more, um, and that he has to return to his parents and then, you know, like shit happens and then, you know, like, like worlds go, world goes to shit because like there's monsters all around and then this, this destruction happens. And I think this kind of just speaks to the era that you mentioned. The, the, this was an era of destruction porn as well, that after mm. a while it becomes numbing, like it becomes boring to me at least. And, you know, like, and the, the scene where I always fall asleep or just lose focus is when the first sort of Muto it has this sort of final showdown where Godzilla kind of just, you know, just does this does this sort of mouth thing, right? Um, never, like, I had to, re- every single time I have to rewind and watch it again because I, I, I lose focus. Um, because at this point, like you've seen so much of this, that it becomes boring. Yeah, yeah. so maybe, maybe that's, that's part of the equation, I don't know. You know what I think is interesting is drawing off that point and drawing off the Man of Steel comparison, which I think is a really interesting comparison. I think the biggest issue with the, both of those films, because I also feel very similar about Man of Steel, I lose interest in that film rather quickly, but you know, still midway through, <laughs> is the fact that the style is just so bland and so dull. This is the era where you don't have a lot of interesting colors. Uh, we'll definitely talk about style when it comes to Kong Skull Island, but I think the style in both those films don't they're not that engaging they're not that interesting so at least if you had a strong style sure the film is going to change it has to change being a Godzilla film created in 2014 right like you shouldn't be expecting this like deep character study for the entire film but the fact that you don't even have that style to latch onto and kind of hold on to during that switch I think is a major issue and why it feels so like it just knocks you off is the fact that you don't have that to latch onto I mean, it does have that style. It's just it, the color scheme is brown, so it's sure. very difficult to it, notice. It, when I like, say it style, has these, like, when, yeah. you know, when you see these people parachuting, and so there's plenty of like these little sort of um, sort of uh, stylized shots that are kind of like these, like you can frame it and put it on your wall, right? It's just they're it's just they're dirty and dark. 
it's boring like man of steel there's there's a style of man of steel but it is beyond boring for me so i i I lose interest yes it is very washed out yes i mean mean, but then again like you're okay well conflicts of interest needs to be need need, need to be declared you don't like Zack snyder just full stop (laughs) <laughs> so, I like the Snyder so Cut enough. I, I, you know, am I am I getting the opinion that you, you both? I don't know about Charlie as well, but you, you, you is everyone agreeing that you you find this film boring to look at? Do you think? No, it's just colors. Like if, in comparison to the other two, it's boring to look at. In so general, just, I, I, it has it has it has yeah something. I, I, I find that I don't I, I just find that very difficult to uh, agree with because this this film's very clearly in, not in, inspired, but it's influenced by post nine eleven cinema. Like it's. It's handheld, it's handheld cameras. There's a lot of grey, there's a lot of brands, a lot of destruction, but it's internal. And there's buildings, quite clear that you're never going to escape from that. But it's almost about hitting far too close to home than you would imagine. Man still does it very very similar, but I find this film to be far more personal. But I do, I do mention that it's interesting how... I, oh God, I'm going to stop doing the Zack Snyder thing after this, I promise, but... The reason why Batman and Superman works for me is because there's layers there of the destruction of what that man caused, what those two characters caused, build upon that world. I find that Godzilla, and, and just to talk about the whole thing in general just for a slight second, is that the franchise builds on this and then very quickly wants to escape from it. So granted, when we went, I don't, not, I don't want to move on just yet, but when this film, the franchise moves on, it takes the ingredients that work and then drops everything that makes this film interesting. Now, I'm not, this is hindsight, but I find that if we had a Godzilla 2, not what we get a bit later, and we, we bring a few characters from this further forward, and you talk about the descri- destruction, you talk about the elements that have been created, you talk about the environmentalism to a, high, to a more layered degree, I think you look back on this film with a far greater appreciation for building their foundation. Because when you look back on it now, it just isn't the foundation. There isn't here that's built upon. And I think that's what people find an issue with it as well. It's a singularity. It's not something that's, that there's not, that there's just doesn't feel like a lifeblood here at all. I know it's a bigger, I don't want to go into the bigger conversation just yet because I, I, I do appreciate everyone's thoughts here. But for me, I feel like this film has been fairly undone. It's sort of unfairly undone at this point. Um, what do you mean? Well, I mean, we can, we have to, it's very difficult to appreciate this film in a singular view because it has connections to other things. It builds on a foundation. You well, know, it's called Godzilla. It's it's yeah, no, to yes. avoid. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Like, you know, <laughs> like you, you know, kind of have like you go into it with certain baggage. I appreciate but, yeah, that, but when you look at the Roland Emmerich thing, you know, you, you can you can wear you can look at the baggage. You really thing, have to. At least that. At least I'm not going to stick up for this man at all, but. At least with that, there is a different viewpoint of crafting something very unique, regardless of the execution. It's unique to the point of the director, at least. But it doesn't want to talk about anything that makes that character interesting, whereas this does. But it also wants to branch upon a building on itself, which I appreciate. My point is that it feels like this has been left to rot and it's been its own entity. When I think that's, I I find that quite hard to believe when there's so much here to build upon. There's such a good foundation. And, and very much like what we're seeing now, if things don't work for an audience, it's not just that the audience jump ship, we're, we're having producers now jump ship, we're having studios jump, jump ship. To me, that's appalling. I think this is the beginning. And I think Edwards, I think Rogue One, yes, there's the conversation to be had there. 
And I think that needs to be pushed to one side and look at this. It's very clear that, that, that Warner Brothers wanted to make, let's say they wanted to make a very avant-garde Godzilla. If you look at it in that context, I think this film succeeds. However, when you look at it and you look at it as a franchise film, I also think it succeeds, but I think that, again, the thing that's built off it fails it. It's also much like the, it's like the, the prodigal son returning home in a way. It's kind of like Last Jedi in that sense, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like it builds something very intriguing and something like in the scope of like that is setting up the first puzzle piece. It works well. It's just the rest of the puzzle doesn't quite meet what it's doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Charlie, yeah. you wanted to say something because you, yeah, because I think we've just kind of like. <laughs> this happens a lot. I do apologize. I mean, you, like, you need yeah. to really just, you know, at some point you, you, you yeah, need to just butt in because, like, I, like, we can we can go, you know. <laughs> I, I, I like hearing like everyone's thoughts on it as well, though. But um, I mean, I was just kind of like collecting things to respond to. As for like, okay, starting at the colors, I know this is a little while ago, but I feel like that trend where they would dull down and like desaturate all their movies a lot and make it very gray and brown and all that stuff. That was a lot more like during like the mid 2010s, I noticed with these more like blockbuster movies because they really wanted to reel in that like realism feel. And I, I personally, like I love colorful movies a whole lot more than I like seeing the dull colors. Um, so that's fine, sorry. Yeah, I mean, like I think um, I like King of the Monsters less um, and we'll talk about that one later, but I still feel like the cinematography and the colors and all that movie, like it's, it's so much better than this one. But at the same time, I don't really feel a, any sort of hatred toward the colors in this movie, I feel like it, it, it does distinguish it more from the rest of the MonsterVerse. And I also feel like it's just a bit of a, a product of its time, you know, where, where all the movies were doing that, like Avengers and Man of Steel and, you know, stuff like that. Even Civil War, like, had some duller colors um, in some scenes. And um, I also agree that toward the end of the movie, I feel like, well, well throughout the whole, like, first, parts of the movie it's a lot easier to connect to the characters because there's more attention given to them and you have more reason to care about them but I feel like towards the end it kind of relies on that you know um, background that they build for them in the beginning instead of like maintaining it because toward the end I don't really care for them that much Um, aside from the scene where Aaron Taylor Johnson's like laying on the boat I wasn't really rooting for them as much toward the end and is it okay if I like talk some spoilers as well? I mean, oh, yeah, God, seven, yeah, seven years seven old. Seven I years think. old. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at this um, point, you know, <laughs> the scene where um, Sam, the son, he reunites with his mom. <laughs> when that was happening, I just, I, I was like, okay, you know, let's let's move on from this part. I don't really care that much. Um, and if they had a bit more there and they built a bit more upon that, then I would have, you know, been a bit more excited about that. But, um, you know, aside from that, like, yeah, I, I think, I think the, the, the first part, like the human stuff is pretty solid and it, it falls apart a bit at the end. You know, the, the, can just to put in here, not to put in, but I think that Aaron Taylor Johnson is a really good segue that Charlie brings up because for, for me, there's, there's three films in his filmography that stand out. I'm not going to ca- count Quicksilver because I don't, I don't want to talk about that film anymore, but I can't talk about the Avengers stuff, but there's Kick-Ass, there's this, and then there's Tenet, or Tenet, whatever it's fucking called. Um, and I think no those Survivor, films, don't know. I'd, let's just move on from that film, honestly. <laughs> Time's gone now. But those three films are, are, are very reflection. They're, they're a reflection of his ability and also the 
where his career is at. He's a young, promising actor who works in something I rate with Matthew Vaughan. Um, Kick-Ass does very well. Then he's in this as a very more mature actor. And it doesn't quite work for me. I don't find him some... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compare him to two actors now. I, I, I think he's very similar to Sam Worthington, right? And I'll, I can't remember the other person, but... And Joel, and Joel Cortner, right? These three actors, right? What a very slap similar. on the face. No, 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 no. <laughs> Come on, let, 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 me, let me say it through. It doesn't sound condescending. But they're all built to be franchise players. And not one of them really have the maturity as an actor to have range. And they also don't have charisma. And I think when they put that forward, it feels so forced. It ultimately feels fake. Now, when you look at something like Tenet or Tenet, whatever it's fucking called, he, he quite clearly is trying to be a char- character actor in that. And I think that's where his place is. It's not leading man material. And I, there's, there's, I know he's in a film where his wife directs him. I think it's, it's a million little pieces. Something that came out for you, by the way. He plays um, an addict in rehab. You've heard very good uh, things about him in that. And perhaps that's his career. That's his catering to be a, um, a, a character actor. Everyone else, he's surrounded by them. Brian Cranston is a character actor. So he, he can't stand out in the film. There are two performances here, which for me are very good. Elizabeth Olsen, which is she's coming off Old Boy by Spike Lee as well. Bear that in mind. She needed this. And I think she does a very good... I like I like the Old Boy. I mean, her performance in, in Old Boy is, is quality. I mean, I, I, well, you, can, you can talk all you want about the film... And what, oh, no, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. But, yeah, but yeah she, I mean, I've said it on, on the WandaVision episode. Like, she, she has range, she has, she's a great actress. Yeah, very talented. She's yeah. just fucking stuck in a Marvel blob now. Sorry, yeah, but I, I, controversial. I also quite like the old boy version of Spike Lee, but that will put that on the old cut gems one day, but next in 2017, 2027, 20, 20, 20, more like. Um, we have like 200 episodes already planned, so you know, yeah. it goes on the list. <laughs> So, and the, the, old, the other actress in this is Juliette Binoche, who, or Binoche, I don't know, Jakob Jorohoff of pronunciation. Juliette Binoche. Juliette Binoche. <laughs> no, Binoche. Just, Binoche. Just, yeah. <laughs> Her opening scene with Brian Cranston. But I mean, I think, like for like three minutes now. Yes, but isn't she, she, I think it's on record that she's painfully unaware of Blockbuster. Like Spielberg's tried to hire for everything. She said no. She's very difficult to get on board. She's a very classical French actress. She's very difficult to get bought on, on a mainstream blockbuster. And she accepted this role, which I find fascinating when you think of it. Um, well, I mean, I maybe not... in, under the caveat that she's going to die in the first five well, minutes, yes, so she, has, she, she gets to go home. The, this is the same actress, though, that turned down Schindler's List, if I'm, if I'm well, quite that's right. Not a big blockbuster. That's a, no, no, that's but a come prestige on, it's Steel production. <laughs> let's, not, let's not go down that road. But it's interesting that that, that opening scene with her, with Brian Cranston, is is probably the 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 uh, cherry on top of the whole film, and it's the first fifteen minutes. It's there for a reason, but there's no emotional gut punch throughout. I think Charlie talks about it, the, the the boat sequence at the end. It's just it, I think it's two parts. Aaron Taylor Johnson doesn't impress me, and that scene sequence, I find there's nothing to root for. I believe them as a couple, but I just think he's quite boring, and I think that it's a replication of his talent in this film. He's and a boring he, actor. He's a, he's a boring. Do, do you know actor, what he is? He's a poor man's Roy Scheider. I'm not going down the Jaws route with you. I'm, no, I'm no, no. Okay, you think, no, no. Think, think about how Ed, Edwards had a hand in casting and he clearly loves Spielberg. And he's kind of like the everyman guy who's also good at what he's doing. So that would be the Brody in Jaws. 
sort of I know, situation. But, 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 yeah, right, but that's so, that's so flat. I'm no stop because no, no, that's no, so no. flattering. Just, just hear me. No, no, just, that's so flattering to to Attila Johnson. I'm sorry. No, that's no, so no. flattering. That's it. Poor man's Roy Scheider. That's still a compliment. That's a bad one. The problem is, and I could buy him as a character, and partially I kind of do because he's just pleasant to look at, right? However, there's okay, there's Julia Binoche, who's great actress, dies first five minutes. Then there's Brian Cranston, who you can take or leave, like he he's a presence, right? And he, but again, okay, I can normally I can stand him. This time he was kind of just on my on I, I, I don't know, he was just tickling me in the wrong way. But he dies. So there's there's very little dramatic drive to Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson because he's not have had a good relationship with his dad. You don't really know much about his relationship with his, with his wife and his son because you see them together for like exactly 35 seconds. And then and you have to hinge the entire film on his journey to reunite with the family that you don't give a fuck about. Yes. Yeah, I feel like there definitely like should have been more for him there. And I also agree that like I see Aaron Taylor Johnson more as like a side character in movies. Like I don't think he could pull a movie all on his own. But at the same time, that's kind of like why <laughs> Godzilla's there, you know, because... People go to see Godzilla for Godzilla, not really for, for Aaron Taylor Johnson. But then again, he's in the movie for like most of the time. Godzilla's only there for like like fifteen minutes, right? Um, yeah, but you're but you're supposed to care about what he's like. Yeah, he re- yeah. eventually reunites with his wife, and this is supposed to be a climactic conclusion to this film that you know like, that somehow the monsters got in the way, right? But it does like, it doesn't work. I mean, it it the whole film kind of works as a whole, but it it. it if it worked, this would have been a five star, five star experience to me. Yeah, for yeah, sure. sure. Oh, yeah, because like what? the the whole thing is sorry, but the whole thing like it's it's pretty much Godzilla from his point of view. You're supposed to like his whole journey. You're supposed to like root for him, you know. And they're for definitely him, I mean, for Godzilla or for Aaron Taylor Johnson. What was that? For Godzilla or for Aaron Taylor Johnson? For, for Aaron Taylor Johnson. Okay. There definitely should have been more than just like a few seconds with his wife and kid. Like yeah, because. If that's all you have to connect with him, you know, because you see a lot of him in the movie, and I guess you kind of just see him mostly as like the husband slash dad instead of like his own character, um, and he doesn't really do much, or he doesn't even go out of his way to like focus on his family aside from like trying to reach them. He barely calls them. He doesn't have much of an opportunity to, but there's not really much there to show that he like actually cares that much aside from his like efforts. Um, I'll tell you this much: Tom Hanks would have killed it. Because um, if you think about, no, like, think about this. Like this is. Like, do you live in two thousand and three? Seriously, no. do you, do you, have you ever moved on Young, from like that? No, hold on. I, I, I know I'm old, but you know, Cam, <laughs> sit down. That was that you died. There's no implication there for me. I, there was not. No, it's it's out there. It's out there. It's on record now. No, but but if you think about this. So there are some actors, and just speaks to the quality of Aaron Taylor Johnson's talent. Like, there's some actors that could use the 30 seconds he has at a ta- table with his family to build that sort of relationship, this report that kind of translates onto you as a viewer. He does not do that. Yeah. You, you just watch him, and it's like, oh, great. Like, okay. Okay. Well, I guess you're a soldier. So, you know, you go and you, you go to Japan. A bit before, Jakob, you described this film in a really, before Charlie spot the first time you said that. It was a film about him, you know, traveling back to find his family who don't give a shit about. Is that how you described it all all along those lines? More or less. You just described Rogue One as well. It's the exact same story. (laughs) The the, the similarities are so far and big. But it's actually quite uncanny when you look at them. 
and it but, is an Edwards yes. issue. I mean, you, possibly. Uh, you can also say that in in here, I mean, in Rogue One, there is no monsters in the way. Like you kind of just hang on these people on on this woman's shoulder, and then there's a looming threat, though. I think that, I think that you take Godzilla out and you put the fucking whatever they're called, the the Empire, whatever they call. Yeah, but then the, but the camera's always on the woman's shoulder, right? Like the, the, she's always kind of in in the frame, right? In here, you like you sometimes forget for like ten minutes at a time that oh, there's like there's Aaron Taylor Johnson trying to get to to San Francisco because because there's monsters in the way. And then the camera focuses squarely on big monsters fighting big battle and battles and you know toppling buildings. And then it kind of works on its own, but it doesn't gel. Right. I think the way I would put it is that like he kind of his character is just I guess too dependent on you know the characters around him instead of him just being his own like solid character that you could resonate with, you know. Because the only reason why an audience member would care for him is because of the people around him, which you don't even really see that much. Like you have his dad at the beginning and you do resonate with him a bit, but then he dies. And, you know, like you said earlier, he does overperform a bit, a lot. And um, he's in like the Breaking Bad sort of, I am the danger, like sort of like this. (laughs) Even though he's just like his dad. (laughs) And then you also have like his wife and kid and, um, I personally didn't think, I mean, I can't really trash on a child actor because, you know, they're just kids. I, <laughs> I mostly just see it like as, as a reflection of how the director did and like, you know, telling them how to deliver their lines and whatnot. But I don't really care about the son at all. And I don't see that much of Elizabeth Olsen in it either. Um, so instead of, he, I just feel like there should have been more that made him better rather than just like everyone else enhancing him i guess can we um i think it's interesting we talk about that because there's obviously we spelt julia vanosh's character's demise i remember when this first came out and obviously interesting none of us saw it at the cinema we're all probably at that age where it would have excited us a little bit more than it does now but it's interesting that i remember when this first came out the fury was that cranston's character died in the first 20 minutes now on, ref- on in hindsight, clearly a reflection of Breaking Bad. People want to yeah. see it because that was he was in the like he was riding the what, what was that oh, yes. the um, was that the um, sort of final season of Breaking Bad just aired or something like that? Yeah, I think it was, yes. I think it was just airing. It was just yes. airing. He was in all yeah. the trailers. The so promotional clearly. material was incredibly hyped for the up. You think the Zack Snyder fan base is toxic? Fuck me, like the Breaking Bad fan base. <laughs> you can't go about Breaking Bad. It's a masterpiece in its own right. Anyway, but it's interesting you you talk about Brian Cranston's performance. Because it's interesting, I find that understanding that the fury and on hindsight looking back, it's quite clear that it's the influence of Breaking Brad, Breaking Brad, Breaking, Breaking Bad, Breaking Brad. That's Angelina Jolie's current sort of yeah. MO now. <laughs> oh God, that might be cut out. Um, I, I, I find that it's quite clear an influence on Warner Brothers to place him in for for, for bums on seats rather than fleshing out that character. So I don't really have an issue with Brian Cranston as much. I do find it interesting that Edwards has such a gut punch with the mother character and then wants to try and replicate it again with Cranston, yet doesn't quite nail it. And I find that it's a lingering thing throughout that just gets lost. And that that's a moment for me where I'm like, I'm more upset about the execution than I am about the actual scene itself. So I'm just sat there and like, oh, that was so badly done. Because the, oh, yeah. the set piece itself is so murky with CGI and and, and no, these colors we're talking about. Cranston's death or um, Juliette Binoche? 
No, Juliet Binoche is, I think that death is, okay. is quite an, um, an integral and emotionally um, impactful scene. The Cranston death for me, the execution there, is muddled with a camera that's way too out of, out of the line. Um, the colours are too bleak. The CGI is all over the place. It's far too dark. He's trying to replicate that emotional gut punch, but there's no emotional connection there. There's no intimacy. And I understand that's the, that. I understand the context of the scene where he's trying to get hold of his dad, that there is an intimacy there that he's trying to do, and the camera doesn't allow us to do that. Therefore, the reflection of that character feels more intense. Um, but I think the execution of it's very, very muddled. And I find that it's an issue that just seems to just prolong that we don't seem to give a shit about it ever again, which is so interesting when that first scene about Juliet Binoche is not very impactful on Aaron Taylor Johnson's character, but on Cranston's. Therefore, we're in his shoes. So perhaps that the, the main character there is not quite in the right place. I think that's the start of the downfall. I think that's the start of the downfall is you care about, they establish that you care about Cranston's character. That's the one you're engaged on. You kill him, but you've already felt those emotions. You felt the emotion of someone losing someone close to them. You felt that already. Cranston, no offense to Aaron Taylor Johnson, much better actor. So then you've already felt that you've got a better version and now you're just getting a B tier kind of rerun of that emotion and that starts Mm. this train where you don't care about this character really he's very very cookie cutter he's not a lot of personality behind him and i think that's one of the main reasons why it loses you as the film goes on is because you just don't care about this guy as much i think that's a very telling point of why you don't care about him yeah when when he dies he he kind of just like dies and that's it like there's not really that build-up or dramatic moment to it and I wouldn't have wanted them to just like repeat what they did earlier and they tried to pull the same emotion out but it just felt so like distant and like it didn't feel really important when it happened at all it just kind of happened and that was it you know so question for you guys if they cut the Juliet Binoche death and they kept the rest of the movie exactly the same with Brian Cranston's death and stuff. Do you think that that would work better necessarily if they didn't have that death in the beginning? Or I do you think, think the execution's no. big enough? Initially? I don't think I it would have can... worked. I mean, because sorry, I, I just have to say this otherwise I'll forget it. <laughs> it's, um, I think it's a conceptual sort of flaw in here because it doesn't matter who dies because it's sort of designed. I mean, it, it would have worked if both her and Cranston's death imprinted on their cho- on their child but they see him off to a school bus you don't see any interaction like you don't see any like there's no chemistry build up between them you only know that he, the cancer is a shitty dad because he even forgot he, he's he's such a goofy forgets his own birthday right and then he doesn't even care that his son made him made made him, made him something right so you don't get this sort of build like there's no sort of seed of of, of anything for you to care about and then she's she's um, taken off the out of picture very quickly he like you they don't have a relationship these two and when he dies like how why are you why are you supposed to so, so, supposed to care like he's he pities his his dad more more than anything so there's no so the only thing he knows that he wants to be a better dad than than than, than he was but he's also abandoning his child and then they don't capitalize on this because they you don't see what he's abandoning so it's it's, I think it would have to be rewritten to kind of just, I don't know, just make make some of these scenes a little, I don't know, just include some 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 of these people together for like thirty seconds or something like that, and hire a better actor. Yeah, and Aaron Taylor Johnson, he has like no reaction to his dad's death at all. Like, 
all he does is just like he picks up the phone. It's like, yep, that's gone. And that's it. He moves on completely. And like, you know, it, it does kind of make sense in a way that like he's been so like distant and estranged from his dad for so long that it wouldn't affect him as much. But at the same time, like he just doesn't even seem to care at all, you know. So it just makes it seem kind of like, what was the point of that? You know, like what did they try to, what emotion did they try to pull out of the audience there? You know. You know, Charlie, I think what makes that sequence you're on about even worse, and, and again, to go to Jakob's conceptual point, is that in the background, you've got a very exciting thing developing. It's a very dramatic, inciting scene happening. And we're, 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 he's, he's sharing this scene with a very pivotal moment that's meant to care for our characters. And he, he's, he's trying, this again, it's a conceptual issue, but the audience can't divert focus there. It's either one or the other, separate them or not at all. And that, again, I think that's a maturity issue with Edwards. And I think that's an issue that I think in Monsters, he didn't have to have an issue there. And with this, on the, such a level of a budget it is, again, I think that's a maturity issue. Not his, again, it becomes with development. And I think with Rogue One as well, there's also signs of that where that there's, a, there's, a, there's a lack of focus or a too much of a, of a an inclination of wanting to focus on something when something else dramatic is happening and that's very Spielberg and that's why again I can see Jakob's comparison but that is way off what Spielberg can do because Spielberg can because yes. Spielberg can intertwine drama into very horrific moments or two very angelic moments into one and, and can have them edited in a certain way where it feels like it's almost one you know it's, it's intertwined this feels like two very different strands and to be honest, I don't think that the, the Cranston thing would be as bad if it wasn't in that particular moment, in that particular scene, or that in particular pivotal scenario developing. I think that's just a way to get rid of him and try and, uh, and leap on the, right, we've, we have, we've built up Aaron Taylor-Johnson now, let's build him up more. I mean, call me a pessimist here, and, and it's going to sound fucking miserable, but the way I would have ended this film, and this is me talking like a, a screenwriter, is that you take him home to San Francisco and Godzilla evaporates every, everything there. Let him have his final moments coming to terms with, I found my son, I found my wife, and then bang, everything gets dispersed. And I know that's fucking brutal. So you want it, one it, ending? So you, so yeah, you yeah. Want, I mean, so you want then to um, Godzilla to be the villain? Well, it, but it, the, it, it's an allegory for fucking nuclear warfare. It's an allegory... Again, you then have to reiterate how much of a presence that Godzilla has been throughout the film. Ultimately, saving mm-hmm. the day, it's like, right, okay. Like, again, like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, this is where we're going to make a screw here. But for me, if we're going to go down the road that Godzilla is a hero or villain, I think we're heavily in an issue here. This is, a, this is a character that has zero conscience, except for what the law then is created upon. He, he's, a, he's a force of nature. He has no affiliation with any side. It has to replicate that. And unfortunately, yes, there's damage in this film. Yes, he causes, especially in the opening act, he causes issues. But then it's almost just forgotten about and he's our hero. To me, if you're trying to make a a fucking 178-foot character a hero or villain, you've missed the point entirely. Like, it has to be up in the air. And I think bringing that closer to home with him destroying the family you've just watched painfully get back together brings the onus back to right this character that this, this film that there's there's emotion here there's impact what happens make, in this film they make him a hero though 
Well, yeah, I think I think it's the worst decision this film does, and it's the worst decision the fucking franchise does as well. I feel well, like I feel like um, with this movie, out of like the whole MonsterVerse, <laughs> they probably make Godzilla seem like the least out of a hero, and I think that's something that they should do, like that they should not do at all. I mean, they shouldn't do that because. I always like whenever I watch these movies, like with a big monster, I always wonder, like, what's this thing thinking right now? You know, yeah. Like, when, when Godzilla sees the Muto, he's like, I'm not here. He's he's not thinking like, oh, I'm here to save the humans. He's like, I just want to go kill that thing. You know? But yes. Yes. No, like, but but, but it's a reactionary. So Godzilla does not emerge from the sea to start destroying shit like randomly. These two do, right? So what he what he does, he's he's a reaction to something, right? So he you could you could have, you could maybe see it as Godzilla is sort of the um, embodiment of nature fixing humanity's mistakes because it's clear that you know like the sort of the two mutos are so, are are supposed to play on the sort of okay well these this is where you're supposed to project your sort of fears of nuclear um you know nuclear uh, race and then the sort of the, the fallout of that and even the sort of Fukushima nu- nuclear plant disaster and then what are we doing with nuclear power plants anyway and whatever like this this is all sort of bundled into this so you're supposed to see like this this is you're, you're supposed to cheer for godzilla this is according to the filmmakers i don't know if it's a mistake or not like you can take a relief but you're supposed to fist pump when he's just opening the guy's mouth and just like sh- shining a light inside him right i think that i think that's really dangerous territory because i think i think that that there's no disrespect right but that just sounds like a quintessential american audience like fuck yeah like when I mean, but when it's someone, designed for that i think like, i'm not when, like we don't clap when the plane lands do we like with the plane lands because the fucking needs to land otherwise do you know what I mean like I, I, maybe it's a different of opinion here or personalities but I, I find that moment to be like wow like I'm in awe of that 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 power but I, I don't then think fucking I was gonna help me like I'm, I would still be in awe of him but I'd still be incredibly scared of that character and by that point if we're booyahing in the cinema I find that that whole scenario of, of protection or being slightly petrified of this monster is just taken away completely, and it's I, I, again, it's a, it's a feeling that just it just intensifies throughout the series. Like the one thing that they're trying to do it with Kong, they're trying to make it so Kong's neither good or bad, and then it's like the Peter Jackson version is like he, he's just a, it does it very well, I suppose, because he's just he, he, you learn a little bit about the backstory of, of an ape, and you you feel sorry for for an animal that's you know taken away from you know also that's it's an allegory for a slave trade as well it's a very interesting film each king kong version especially the 30s version but i think jackson's is an interesting one this the the, the kong skull island which i don't know if you want to move on to but i'm just very briefly before because i don't want to take over cast and i just find that if we're trying to make a hero or villain out of a fucking monster we're deeply in trouble here we're very deeply in trouble these are allegories for fears uh, yes. um, I'm not booyahing in a cinema because he's ripped up and someone's fucking no, you, you, face. I can't do it. Yeah, before you're you go, not. I think you're going to want to respond to why I say so I'm going to go very quickly and we're 100% mm-hmm. going to take that transition to Kong Skull Island. But I think you can look back, taking this weirdly like full circle here, look at Jurassic Park versus Jurassic World with how they handle the T-Rex at the end. In the first Jurassic Park, he does save the day technically, but he's not necessarily like, on the side of the humans. He's still there. Jurassic Park 2, he's still attacking them. It's still a threat. Jurassic World and Jurassic World, the T-Rex comes, specifically chooses to be on the sides of the human just as like cool mm-hmm. with the humans. I think it's very similar weirdly to the end of that film where like yes you can have a monster be on the side of the humans just like by happenstance but it shouldn't be like morally like standing with them i think that's a big issue in jurassic world ending of jurassic world and i think it's very similar here 
to to your point to both of your points i think there's one thing that probably would kind of encompass what you're trying to say i think is that say godzilla in this in this film and say like we and even like the tyrannosaurus in jurassic park would you could um you could think of it as a deity as a god as in this is something this is a being that humans have no power over it does shit that you cannot do and you, all you can do is watch and hope it won't smash you right and this is pretty much how you how people would have like throughout history view uh, you know elements of nature like you'd look at a hurricane or a tornado you just think this is beautiful to look at it's probably going to ruin my house might as well pray pray to it like and then some cultures would actually in, in, you know like in, evolve to kind of just you know worship elements of nature like because it, they're just powers beyond our control and you can see Godzilla as 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 a sort of like a prim, not primitive but sort of embodied sort of god of, of that just comes comes out of the sea you can just look at it if it doesn't kill you great if it does whatever and you know and that's that's what it is yeah the way the way i see it, um with with the 2014 godzilla i don't think it does that as much as other movies um except for at the end when like they see godzilla wake up they should be running and screaming but they're just standing there like it's an inspirational i'm like yeah there's our hero right there um i think it makes for a pretty cool ending but it also just doesn't make a lot of sense at all um but kong skull island really does that whole thing where they make kong seem like the the hero who really cares for the humans and all that stuff and that was one of my least um, favorite parts of that movie my I mean, most hated parts of that movie, I guess. I I I would probably say that yeah. What I don't know. It's this the first Godzilla has a problem in that because it doesn't it 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 kind of flip flops between these sort of concepts. It doesn't want to commit to anything, and I think it's partly the reason. It's probably a, a manifestation of of how producers were undecided whether they will commit to something bigger than just one standalone film because it doesn't really set up anything. For you, the the only things it kind of does set up is sort of these little winks and nods, and then it's kind of just on Easter egg. This is like '90s sort of cinematic universe where it's just if you look closely in the background, you'll see things. So they borrowed aesthetic from from Nolan because it's all post Dark Knight sort of like the browns, the darks, the desaturation. Man of Steel has the same sort of problems. I mean problems. It it's kind of just carries this sort of aesthetic that that you know like Dark Knight sort of introduced, right? So they kind of just try to see whether this would, how how this would feel with people, because it it does it doesn't have a very def- definite aesthetic. It doesn't have it doesn't make a point. Like you would, Jack, you would want to, the film to make a point, but it doesn't. Like it kind of just, eh, it kind of ends in in sort of like it's not not on a cliffhanger because they don't know whether they're gonna make another one, and also not not in a, in a definitive way that it's just yes that's that's the only film we're making like they just don't know whether this is going to work or not and i think it actually just this lack of balls it kind of just hurts it in the long run completely agree i think what makes it more painful as well jacob is that not knowing which direction it's going to go into is still bottled not putting everything into it which to me is slightly undercooking it if you don't have let's say enthusiasm or interest in your own project how am I meant to have in it? I, and I, 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 I wouldn't be able to argue against it. I think you're right. Which again, makes me more pained about what we're going to talk about next. No, but this, this works because the film's brown. Do you know how you get the color brown? By mixing too many colors. That's color how we get like it. Poet. I love it. 
No, well, it's, just inspirational. Like, it's just like, I don't know, brown's kind of like a nondescript aesthetic. Like, it's not black. Like, if it was dark, like, say, like, I don't know, Tim Burton's Batman, like, you know, this is sort of gothic, right? It would be, it would be a choice. But this one's kind of like, I don't know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very sort of desaturated and very sort of almost um, like poorly lit. Like they don't like they're not even sort of comfortable with their own designs of their monsters. They they don't they don't want to show them properly to you. Like they're they're kind of like, I don't know. Like they're like teenagers who 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 are just into drawing, and they this is the first proper thing that they've drawn, and they're showing this to their parents. But they're kind of like, I don't know. It's just like, uh, do you like it? I think you could argue against. I think that's more of a Jaws approach. I think that's Edwards trying to minimalistic. I also feel like yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's Edwards. I think I think it's just a bunch of producers saying like I don't know if we if, if we want to commit 150 million dollars for a sequel. I think I think like Ooh. they they did like keep the scenes with the monsters in it like way darker because you know if if they're in light then you could see all like the imperfections in the visual effects and whatnot and it's a lot easier. Well, Charlie, if you go back to 1998 and you watch Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, and that's the exact reason why that film's pissing rain all the time. Because they couldn't finish the budget to make the Godzilla look the way they wanted to, so everything's pissing wet through. So when you're watching 4K, you can tell, and it's fucking abysmal. So well played, Warner Brothers, for rectifying mistakes right there. Also, also if you, if you watch the 1998 Godzilla, you'll find out that like three quarters through the film, the film ends, and there's a whole new actor that's completely just underneath That that film, not to go on about more, but that film, Jean Reno chose that over the Matrix. Yeah, what a what a genius that was. You know, there's life decisions, <laughs> and then there's whatever decision that was. You know, Matthew Broderick starring role after killing oh, two an, people. An, yeah, another charismatic leading man. Fuck me. Hank Azaria doing um, <laughs> oh, yeah. the the more character during his video show. You know? I mean, yeah, I mean, this has Uncle Jim's written all over it. You know, do you know, um, do you know, the mayor in that is is uh, and his friend is a play on Gene Siskel and Rodrigo as well. Have you ever read about that? No. I think Roland Emmerich, like the film he made beforehand, which may have been Independence Day, was ridiculed by them both. So he made the two incompetent characters of the mayor and his lackey, Gene, Gene, um, Gene Ebert and Robert Siskel, I think, which is like so fucking sad. But yet, I think I well played. Like, if you're going to do it, do it. But to me, I just think like you might need to get over it. Look, him fucking fact checking now. Look, see if I'm wrong. That's yeah. some Sam Levinson yeah. shit right there. That's yeah, pretty yeah. good. I mean, no, because you know, like, okay, I'm I'm buying into this, so I want to I want I want to make sure that I'm not buying into some bullshit. Not not to go on here. You can cut this if you want to. A few years ago, I went to Japan with my my girlfriend, and um, I wanted to watch like something very Japanese. There I had this fucking, and we we watched uh, we watched this. We watched the Godzilla 1998, and we watched um, the anime versions on Netflix, which we it might be interesting to talk about. But um, I watched this with her, and she just like she just went to bed. I remember watching it and I was like, this is so bad. I just, I, I can't understand why anyone would have signed anything off on this. It's such an interesting film to look at of how, you know, when you watch a film and they fuck up and they make some ridiculous choice and you think, why would you have done that? And then you find out producers have got to it. If you read about the making of this film, it's so interesting. It's, it's more interesting than the film itself. But every single scenario in here is just like a magical fuck up. Every single scenario. It's so good. Anyway. I will quickly ask, did you like or did you not like the animated ones? Because I have a weird, I think, I don't think the, I think it drops the ball by the end, but I actually have a weird, like, 
enjoyment of I, t- I will say this we're talking about the foundation about this film I think you can you can use the, the comparison is that there's a there's a tr- trilogy then yes it's based off something else and there's definitely a, a law there but to be fair to it it does what this film didn't do it it has a story and then yes it has like a, a five minute stinger at the end and you're like oh wow it's part two but at least then there's like a, there's a story interconnected, interconnected there and you think oh wow okay and yes I think by part three it's like are we, re- are we look this is like okay then but I think if you look at those three and you look at what this film was this film needed a part two and it, I think you could probably say that the, the King of Monsters could be its part three there's a middle piece there there's 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 the ingredients is half baked and I think it's a there's definitely an issue of like Jakob said is that are people here for the for the characters no they're here for the for, for the, the monster now how can we go forward with this it's just bringing everyone into it and having you know the next big thing actors and actresses into it and I think it's a massive issue that they've done and yes you probably wouldn't have made billions of dollars which I know these films are not doing anywhere but still I think you can make a sequel for 90 million in these days very much like the Edwards version, but better. And I just don't think they did that. They put their all eggs in one basket. Unfortunately, of what happens with this film come its box office. Scary times, I think. Well, on that note, let's explore what they actually did next. Yeah, if I can see you going for more, but let's move on after an hour of talking <laughs> about 2014's Godzilla. Let's move on to 2017, Kong Skull Island. uncharted island. Let me list all the ways you're going to die. Rain, heat, disease-carrying flies, and we haven't started on the things that want to eat you alive. We'll double that. Plus a bonus if we make it back. If? In this sturdy old part of the city Where the sun refused to shine Is that a monkey? In Kong Skull Island, the audience gets to explore the mysterious and dangerous home of the King of the Apes as a team of explorers ventures deep inside an island, a mysterious island, with a bunch of creatures, including a big-ass monkey. Yaka, why don't you start us off? What were your thoughts on Kong Skull Island? That was my um, first time seeing this since the cinema, I would say. So it sat on my shelf for good, um, good, good amount of years, I suppose. Uh, before I finally revisited it. And, and on the, I remember that on my first visit in the cinema, I also had a problem that I fell asleep for like 10 minutes in the middle somewhere in there. Because it it does have a, like a second act, act sag, like as many blockbusters do. And it's just, however, this time, I don't know, I had way more fun watching this and just noticed how, I mean, way more not noticeable. Maybe it's it's just a small screen sort of the situation. It's how colorful it is and how, and maybe it's also the byproduct of having seen Godzilla just the day before and then going into this, which is heavily stylized and heavily sort of geared to evoke a certain aesthetic, which Godzilla just does not have. It almost abandons the sort of Spielbergian sort of like drama in, in favor of something complete, completely different. 
and wants to be something else and also wants to have a different sort of um, a political undertone, which is, you know, war and stuff like that. Um, but I did have fun with it to an extent. Like, still, the film has problems. And then, like, some of these problems, like, one of these problems is um, the, um, let's just call it politely, a absolutely shitty antagonist, as in, like, the, the monster, sort of, like, the two-legged lizard. It's, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know who came up with this and then who said, yeah, great stuff, let's do this. But it, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to me that sort of oomph that kind of just makes you want to um, like cheer for, for anyone in here or just, or just root for the characters to, to get away from it because they're, A, they're a little bit too overpowered and B, they're, they're a bit sort of goofy. Too goofy for, for the aesthetic of the, or the, that the film goes for. Like there's there's character designs that are kind of in the film. Like there's a massive spider. There's like an octopus. There's there's cool things in there. They're just kind of disposed of very quickly. Um, but I kind of don't do like it. And it's and I don't know. Just it it it's all it almost feels like a '90s film, in a way. It's just kind of just dolled up and glossed glossed up a little bit. And with the choices that it makes, especially it kind of feels like this. This is something that like Robert Rodriguez would have made if he had if if he had money and a, a little bit of I don't know uh, studio oversight, I suppose. But yes. I think he did that a few years ago. It didn't go very well, did it? <laughs> um, no, he didn't. He, he it didn't go very well. However, I have a feeling that you know, like if once I revisit um, Alita, I think this this will also kind of be like it's also like a beautiful sort of mess um, that has, has. I think I think it's more of that though. <laughs> well, it, it is a mess, but it has it has an aesthetic, and it also has a problem that it kind of sets up a sequel that's never going to happen. So. I, I have I have a very weird relationship with this film, as as I do with the, the one previously. Um, I went I went here with my sister, and before we went, the anticipation for me grew. I, I was one a day before we went to go see it, which I was like, oh wow, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this. I saw so a lot of the promotional material; it was something very different. It was quite clearly being teed up to be part two of this multiverse or monsterverse of, of what it is now, but it wasn't very clear at the time, its, it's connections here, there and everywhere. Um, on my first viewing of it, and I've seen it a few times since actually, and I'll explain why, um, I really enjoyed this the first time I saw it. Really, really enjoyed it. I'm very, a big fan of Brie Larson, not to certain weirdos on, on Twitter level or on YouTube, but a very big fan of her, love her range. Um, I like the I like the aesthetic. I, I love like the video game style it goes for. Um, this is 2017 me, by the way. It's not me now, which I'm going to explain. I also really like the cast list. I think if you again we're talking about character actors. Fucking here for it. They've got so many here: John Goodman, John C. Ryler, Samuel Jackson. It's like every single every single tick here is for me. I walked away from the film very much enjoyed it. I then bought it on Blu-ray. Watched it a few times with my family. Liked it. And then I bought it on Apple TV and watched the 4K version of it. Watched it and the closest I could do um, that I can with the money issues um, of watching in the cinema. I want to be honest, I'm so met on this film now, it's unbelievable. I can't really highlight something that I think works in this, but I also can't tear it to pieces like anything else. Um, it's so difficult for me to sort of analyse this and see what works and what doesn't, because we talk about a product of its time. While on the surface, I think I don't. I think I'm going to call him Jordan for Roberts. Think of what you think of him now. There's a lot of allegations that have come out. They weren't out then. 
this for me is him trying to make a video game aesthetic. And in the moment, it works very well when we see the machine guns going off, when we're in the chopper. It feels very first person. You know, you're very much influenced. That hasn't aged very well for me now, nor has a director in that, in that respect. So I find that one of its main attributes for me is sort of slowly losing interest. I think that it's far too colourful than it should be. It almost feels like that, that, that colour palette doesn't feel organic to me. And yes, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want Peter Jackson's King Kong. I appreciate that. We're not going down that road. And I appreciate this is, is a film that wants to inject colour and wants to subvert that expectation. But the amount of colour that's injected here, to me, is, it's just, it's absurd. It's so much. It's almost like it just drowns the screen. And the third, the third issue, and I, I felt like I, I, I knew this when I left. And I, I do, I think I've mentioned this in my roulette box and reviews but they're massively fucked up the casting here, putting Tom Hiddleston as, as the lead. This is so Brie Larson's role. It's so much quite clearly it's Brie Larson. She's a pacifist. She's there to do the photographer. She's not a warrior. She, she's going to be in, in, in infected by all these warriors behind her. She's going to be in a life or death scenario. We've seen it before. Yeah, she's, you can say it's a damsel in distress. I think you could argue that. We, had to, we, didn't, we didn't get that film, so I don't want to go there. But that to me is a more interesting character and they put this fucking tom hiddleston mercenary who doesn't have i'm going to be i'm going to be honest here he doesn't have a fucking acting ability in his in his fucking loins that boy honestly we slate darren taylor johnson not being able to act wow this boy cannot do it for me seriously oh my god honestly that he does not have any range whatsoever he's an eaten boy he got here probably because his mom and daddy earned a lot of money i don't think he's got any acting ability whatsoever. pattern here yeah you might do yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's got no acting ability whatsoever. And they put him in the main... I mean, what, what has he done of merit? Like, he's low okay. okay? Well, that's like, pretty much why he got it. No? Yeah, you're a side character. You're not a lead Fans character. love him. People love him. Yeah, that's exactly. why. And then, just... and then also, Hollywood is a boys club. And then people in studios don't believe that women can be leading a Exactly. That's why and, she didn't and, get it. On, on reflection, just narratively, doesn't interest me. I don't care about the characters. They fucking do Toby Kebbell so dirty in this film. He's just come. He's just about to go into. Well, I think it's the same year actually. Dawn. No, no, no. Dawn of the Planet is 2014. This is 2017. You know, he, he's he's Toby Kebbell's done a lot of good work before. Yes, he was in Prince of Persia. He's done a lot of shit in, in Hollywood, but he's a very good character actor. And they do him so fucking dirty here. You know, he's got his son going back home, and then he gets he gets fucking killed like so early in the film. And I'm just like, what are you doing here? What seriously? What are you doing? Like narratively, I'm just questioning it constantly. And yes, you can argue, well, Jack, but just some burning expectation here. Because we want him to succeed. I can completely understand that. But you don't put Tom Hiddleston as your main character and expect him to care. And I also think the best thing they could do here was make a period piece. Yes, the Apocalypse Now thing is so strong here. Yep. But I think everything you do with a bit of colour and a bit of imagination is always going to be compared to that film. I mean, colour, there's a boat. Like the Apocalypse Now is, is clearly an influence. Yeah. I don't mind influence, and I don't mind inter um, contextuality. But they, but they do use like a bl blue flare yeah, halfway through the film in slow motion, you, which is a bit you, of a you put, Yeah, you put choice. these half and half together, and it's like fucking hell. We're watching Coppola here. We're watching Roberts. You know what I mean? No, but but like, I I get this sort of this sort of tongue in cheek sort of situation of like seeing like the when they go to the island and say, oh yeah, well like there's choppers and whatever. It's literally like the beginning of Apocalypse Now. Only a big ape shows up, right? Like, I'm, I'm so, I, I, so, uh, like I, I see what this is what they were going for 
whether this works is a separate question. But I, I, I have I have a feeling that if I don't know I don't know if the Blu-ray has a commentary track. I might as well rewatch it with a commentary I mean, track and see if I they mean, say. Like, I remember, <laughs> I remember like all the homages, and you've got the old boy reference in it. And I'm just like, what? I just I, just, I was sat there and I was like, I'm not, I'm not too sure what's going on here. Like, if you if you want the Metal Gear Solid gig, mate, you go you'll go get it. This if you, this is not your way to it. Go fucking beg someone in the in, you know in the, in the industry. Go and try and prove to me you can make a video game by using a different context on it. That to me, I, I find disingenuous to the material. I understand we don't want Jackson's King Kong. I understand we don't want the original King Kong, and we don't want that whatever the Jeff Bridges thing is in 1976. But I still don't appreciate the fact that like again, I mean, I'm going to move on a minute because I'm just fucking talking, losing breath here. These but, are opening impressions, by the way, still right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but we get some more in depth. But the problem is, is that this builds so much upon that foundation where it's just two different entities. How can you expect me to put this in the same realm as the, as Godzilla and, and see how that's the foundation that built this? The best thing they did here was make, make it a period piece. But I, I've got, I'm on a strong indication that a month before Principal Photographer, this fucking thing was its own entity. There's no way how this becomes a franchise film. This has been engineered or reverse engineered to be that. There's no way this started off life as a prequel. This was a, this was a Kong school and this was definitely its own entity. It was meant to look at Kong, possibly in its early years or, or, or maybe the start of something new. And the Ronobers reverse engineered it built it into this oh, yeah. very much like the cloverfield bullshit they did as well with <laughs> maybe the, not a month before principal photography but i think oh my god well, it looks as worse they, than that, they right? had a, they, they they had a they probably had a script floating around and they realized we can merge the two and then they greenlit as this but in in the initial sort of pre-production i, I would probably say yeah prob probably this was a separate thing but yeah I we can see about, how this. I, I can see how the franchise was grafted onto it. Yeah. Yeah, but we talk about that booyah moment you're on about before about like when you when we were having to clap Godzilla because he rips open the fucking monster's face. This booyah. for like 190. <laughs> well, it feels like 193 minutes. It's just a booyah. It's like it's like I, I'm to me to me I'm, I want mystery. I want mystery. I, I want something that makes Kong different to Godzilla, and and we just change the environment here. I mean, there's, like, a, I mean, there's a good booyah moment in there, I think, with Sam Jackson facing off against Kong and Kong's though. face in the fire. That's a booyah moment. Yeah, but, is it, but why do we it have works. to have that? He's it a fucking nice. massive ape. The booyah moment starts when he's when he's created. <laughs> I mean, I don't want I don't want to be fucking clapping when the plane lands. I expect the plane to land. I'm well, not having it. I'm honestly not having it. And also as well. You've um, never flown to I, Poland then. No, I <laughs> wouldn't have fucking class. Well, Every I've had fine. some Everyone horrible journeys on a plane, my friend. We don't need to get into that. Italians and Polish people like... always clap. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that might, I'm not, it might be a historic thing. I'm not too sure. I'm like, but, um, don't know why, you know, but you, yeah. <laughs> you, you, know you, you look at Roberts as well beforehand. It's interesting that you look at his film, which I, I think is, I really do like it. Um, what, Kings of Summer? Film. I can't what it's called. Uh, Kings really of Summer. Wonderful, yeah, really wonderful little film, yeah. Yeah, it's a good one, And then yeah. you've got this, and I'm like, it's very, I'm very, I'm, Edwards is very similar. It's what you go from two, well, Edwards not so much because there's, there's a there's a lineage. It was there, a science fiction film for, yeah. for Edwards, yeah. But but I, I feel like Roberts has done a very good job here. But if this was its own entity, I would enjoy it a little bit more, probably more so. I don't know what my review is like on that box now, but I'm going to rewatch after this again and I'm, I'm probably going to um, have a lot of choice words. I can imagine this going to, this conversation that might, may annoy me slightly, so I do apologise in advance, but. So, I just find that this is just, I, I don't want to clap. 
I don't. I just. When, I remember 2011 when the last Harry Potter came out and Ron and Hermione kissed, and everyone's clapping in the cinema. I'm like, it's not a fucking pantomime. It's not it's a. It's not circus. a plane. Stop clapping. I'm not clapping. <laughs> I'm not clapping. I'm not. I'm, and I just find that this this is a film where, yes, I want Kong to fucking destroy everything. I have that. I mean, I want that inside of me. I want to see destruction. But when when we're sort of ripping off Apocalypse Now, and we're using green gas, and in slow motion with like one bullet to kill, I'm just like. There's just not, there's nothing here that, yes, I want a bit of realm of believability. It's a fucking massive hit. I understand there's a contradiction there, but I, I, I could still argue the fact that this doesn't have one remote, remote sequence of believability in it for me. Whereas I, I like, I'll just say this and I'm going to move on. When you look at Godzilla, right? That's Godzilla coming into our world. Okay. This is where going into Kong's world. And I'm not here for it. I want believability. I want reflection of my own society. I want believability. Like, this is a film about a giant ape. Like, come on. Believe, yeah, believe, but we can and, still... And two-legged monsters. Yes, anyway. we, can, we can still bring a level of reality to it that this film fucking throws out the window. Well, the, okay. What are they even so, doing at the beginning? Why are they, why are they bombing the, the... Why are they putting, like, holes into the ground? They're bombing it and stuff. I'm going to jump in here with my introduction thoughts. So I might as well... I think I can jump in here. This can go, dude. First thoughts. Um, talk about a film I can appreciate more than I can enjoy. Number one, I'm not a big fan of this aesthetic. We talked about this with this with Cherry. Uh, I'm not big into like the military like celebration of toxic masculinity of the 80s music play as they're dropping the bombs. And it does fuck off, whatever it is. Nothing, <laughs> nothing. It doesn't work for me at all. Um the doing this to Van Halen. <laughs> Yaka, before my time, I don't know what these fucking things are. Um, anyway, this deck doesn't do a lot for me, but at least there is color. Like, there's more here than there was with Godzilla. Um, and I think I think this one has a very strange kind of soul to it when it comes to war and coming on like reflecting America coming off this war what did they gain during it specifically Samuel L. Jackson's character who kind of relies on war as like his identity I think there's a very weird like backbone to this film that I think is really really intriguing but I don't like how they go about actually exploring it I think Samuel L. Jackson's character when you have a character that is supposed to be like working against the group like this I think you have to be very careful because it's supposed to be frustrating to a point but whenever he like kind of ruined the plot and ruined the flow of the plot, I just felt frustrated in like a very bad way where I'd stopped caring that much. Um, and then I just pretty much echo your guys' thoughts, honestly. Like, I think this is a film I can appreciate the color. I can appreciate the aesthetic. I can appreciate the backbone and what they're trying to do. I just don't think how they actually accomplish anything is that intriguing. I agree. Brie Larson is the best part of this film. Should have been the lead. Toby Kebbell, I love hearing more praise for him. He's the best part in Servant. I just got done watching season two of Servant. I really liked it. So seeing here, seeing him here doing fuck all really was frustrating. Um yeah, I enjoyed it overall, but I mean, I I don't know why I said I enjoy overall. I didn't enjoy it overall, but I appreciate this film at least more than I think I appreciate Godzilla. For clarity, that's everything I said. I just did it louder and more aggressive. Carson, completely agree. <laughs> also, uh, for me, I think this is this is definitely like my least favorite MonsterVerse movie. Um, like, I think it just like it's a pretty fun movie to watch you know there's not really i guess that's not really deniable i guess uh if you're just looking in to watch a, a big ape do some stuff and you know action happens then you know you, you'll you'll get some enjoyment out of it that like most people who went to go see this movie 
in the theater, you know, who just wanted to see this. They, they pretty much got what they wanted. But um, I just think it was, it was all executed, like, really weirdly. It has, um, like, the whole, like, it, I read this one review, and it pretty much said that it, it kind of does that whole, like, retro nostalgia thing, but it also does it for, like, these weird, like, this, this whole, like, war thing. And it, it does have, like, this anti-war message, but at the same time, there are moments where it makes me feel like, is this movie, like, war is awesome, you know? Like, kind of gives off that feeling at times. Um, and the soundtrack, it got really, like, like the, the non, you know, film score music, the, the soundtrack, it got really tiring after times. Um, I don't mind when, like, movies play non-movie music. I actually really love it, but it got so, I guess, like, overbearing. Like, it just happened over and over again. I felt like I was watching the same scene, like, so many times. And one of my least favorite things about the movie, I mentioned this earlier, but they literally make Kong seem like this superhero who, like, is totally on the human side, where this is just, like, a big monkey. Like, this is just, this is an animal, you know? He isn't, like... When he, when he saves Brie Larson in the water toward the end of the movie, I'm like, does he care? <laughs> like, I that was hilarious. I don't even know. Um, and I think what they did with Samuel Jackson's character could have done, been done better. Um, he, I don't really know what they were just trying to do with him. It was just kind of weird. Um, I don't know what he was trying to represent or anything. Um, this is my first time watching this movie, by the way. And I think... It was fun. It was goofy. I enjoy campy stuff, but at the same time, like there was just so much that didn't really work for me. Three notes. Number one, for Jakob's sake, it's an ape, not a monkey. I know he's probably going to scream about this because <laughs> we just did this with Congo and we had that whole whole thing about it. Number yep. two, I think you're perfectly like hitting the nail on the head as far as this film's idea of war. It is both trying to celebrate it and use it to capture that booyah moment while also condemning it and it just doesn't work. Number three, I forgot to mention, I really like the action, at least the first action when Hong, when Hong, when Kong is bringing down the helicopters. I like that sequence <laughs> Hong quite Kong a bit. Skull Hong Kong <laughs> Skull Island, absolutely. Yeah, breaking Brad as well. Uh, those also, are my three notes. I mean, you can you can celebrate. No, hold on. You can be anti-war by showing war and then being because you know the old um, Latin proverb: "Civis pacem parabellum." If you want peace, prepare for war. I think that's pretty much. You can do it successfully. I'm not sure if it does. It does it. You got to you got to a lot of nuance there, though. You got to have very good writing skills, but to lay. Your you know, and the <laughs> issue is it's condemning the attacks on this. It's condemning the attacks on this island that has no people. Like the uh, the issue is not like it's not the fact that it's violence. It's not actually in the issues with war. It's the fact that it unleashed to these lizards. Like that is the issue that is caused by their violence and by their attacks, which is like their representation of war. I don't think this movie does a good job condemning war, despite the fact that it wants to. I mean, it, I think it. I mean, uh, I think we we want to graft a little bit of um, too much politics onto it. Then this this thing this thing can possibly kind of just uh, well, that's, a, that's a very good absolutely right. absolutely not Jakob. you no, I mean, cannot no, look at this film and say that it's not trying to be a political statement no, no, no. On, like, i think war. it has it, it tries to be but it i think if you graft too much politics into it like, this this film will not support it because it will just immediately fall apart and you'll see like this doesn't make sense so if you just see it as a little sort of side note oh yeah well this is a bit of an anti-war film but it's about a giant ape defending its homeland and then you know um and basically just defending earth and then also if you realize that there's kind of sort of shoddily written sort of 
little sort of now seeds to for for this sort of cinematic universe because now you have that sort of hollow earth thing going on that you have to kind of just plant there because they will use it in the f- next film to to you know like explain how they uh, paint themselves into a corner when they write shit so uh, so I, I i can see how this you, you could you could you could easily criticize this sort of political message in here and see it as an absolute mess you'd be absolutely correct whether this 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 film wants to thrive on its politics i'm not sure because it, it clearly wants to be a video game film it, and then it also has a problem of king kong out of everything that this thing kind of entails is the one sort of character that has a very sort of one note lore i think if you think about king kong in popular culture it basically yep this massive ape kidnapped from its from its habitat and then um it's a it's an sort of avatar or sort of um, for slave trade and then um, there's a few sort of archetypal moments with a sort of, you know, like there, there's, there's a um, damsel in distress sort of idea grafted onto it and a sort of like a um, beauty and the beast sort of um, uh, thing kind of just threaded into it. That's all, that's all King Kong kind of has. Like uh, the rest of it, like if you look through all, all the films that King Kong was in, they're kind of shit. And then, you know, like they're all, it, it's almost kind of sort of like, um, like then it's like a one, one sort of dimensional character to kind of fight against Godzilla or something like that. You just reminded me of the, the sequence where he ice skates in New York City. A what? Where King Kong ice skates and Peter Jackson's King Kong. Oh yeah, because that was 2005 and I think they ran out of money for, um, <laughs> for, for special effects. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So we, so we ice skates instead. I, I think that's it. Look, I, I, I think the, the, if you go into this film and you want Samuel Jackson to say motherfucker and you want Fortunate Son to be playing, I think you'd be, you'll, you'll, you'll leave happy. I mean, so ten bucks says that he's he contractually demanded he, that he says motherfucker. Oh, yeah, that, that's fair, not, fair, he, so. he has enough of an ego to, to demand this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I want I want to like these films. I, I want to. Put, I feel like if it's an interesting film, put side to side against Godzilla because you have something that's very dreary, very depressing, very dark, and you have something here that that wants that it's that you know balls to the wall, guns blaring, bloodshed, and and I appreciate that because I think you know you you're trying to cater to another audience, and maybe Kong. Is that character where you can do that? You can, you can, you can. God, I mean, maybe you can write him in a different way where there's a bit more fun there. Um, but I think that then causes a problem for this mo- this monster verse because you, you're bringing one very dark character into another law where it's this is a bit more fun. And yes, there's a, there's a lot more here you could argue that's actually at peril. Um, however, especially at the intimate side of it, I think there's a lot more one-on-one peril here. Um, you know, it's almost like a, um, you know, when they, they're knocking each, you know, character it's off one by one. It's kind of like a horror film of, in, yeah. in places where you just see like Jason just takes someone out. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Only, I mean, I think it, yeah. And I think it's it's interesting they do that in a way. And I appreciate them subverting an expectation of genre here. But I think that, again, okay. that is where my theory about that, you know, there's no thought process of making a, a monsterversity because I find that putting these two characters together a very difficult task, therefore, because You've got something that's incredibly on a, on a mass scale. And then you've got this very intimate story about this ape. This ape sorry, I wouldn't say monkey then, but it's an ape. Oh, you wouldn't dare. Uh, but it's not fucking real, but we've got, you know, we'll call him an ape. But um, we, we have to have that discussion where, you know, how do we then bring that into this law? And I think the answer is what they do next. And I don't want to talk about it just yet. And I think it's very interesting when you look at this film where, it, 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 this to me is the, the start of this franchise in, in a way where we're gonna we're gonna make a character we're gonna have we're, we're you know make them excess, excessively brutal we're gonna make them excessively um, morally sort of 
um, uncorrupted. We quite clearly know that these these are the good guys. We're going to have these other monsters of the bad guys, and we're going to have other characters then, you know, do bits and bats. And then you look at that model, and they build upon that. And I think it's the wrong film to build upon. I really do. And I'm so I, I want to like this film. I really do. I, this is a film that I think is a is you a great. You do book. like it. No, no, I said I want to like it. Don't misconstrue. You've already mansplained me once in this conversation. Don't do it again. But we've already had this conversation where, like, I feel like I want, I, I, I'm not, I come across like this miserable bastard where I don't like the blockbuster film. And that's quite contrary. I do quite like the blockbuster. I like going to the cinema and watching so something so magnificently out of this world where I can leave my brain for an hour and 45 minutes. I do like watching Glass at the cinema. I do like watching, I don't know, something like Looper. But I also like Ready Player One. You loved, didn't you? Let me finish. I also no. do like watching Ready Player One. Fuck. I also do like watching, <laughs> um, you know, Godzilla King of the Monsters. However, I just I I just expect a little bit more, and I feel like it's more of a personal issue, and I'm, I, I am trying to sort of identify that. I don't know if anyone else thinks maybe maybe we're too. I don't know. Maybe I'm too up my own ass here. And I, 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 I imagine one of us in this group might group might accept that, but. I just feel like I wanted a lot more much. than this. I wanted a lot more. Yeah, I wanted a lot more nuance, and I just think that they've gone down an avenue here, and that they've catered to an audience, and that's not really what I wanted. And and it's strange as a fan because not as a fan, let's say it's spectators. I'm not not necessarily a fan. <laughs> I I know not go back to the Star Wars thing, but you, we question often that when writers go to work, they, like again, I, I'm I'm gonna admit this. I don't like, I didn't like Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi. I famously hated it. I got on the Euro review on Letterboxd. I just detest that film. And I watched it on a flight not so long ago. And I was watching it, I was like, look, there's a few bits here I don't like. I don't like the Mark Hamill lightsaber thing. And I don't like the Carrie Fisher thing. But I understand what they were trying to do. They were trying to look at an icon and look how that can be broken, how we perceive an icon. And yet internally they can, they can be damaged. And on, on, on the surface, I, I do quite like that. I think it's a very interesting way of thought. It's not a film I wanted, and it's a, but it's a film we got, and I have to accept that. And I think the last few years, audiences have had to do that on a, on a, on a larger scale. And this is, this is a prime example for me. This is not what I want out of a King Kong film. It's just, I, just, it's just, I understand it's just basic um, catering to an audience here, and I, I accept that, and I've had to develop and accept that. But where I go wrong here is that if you're going to do that, then fair enough. But fucking follow through with it. Like, if you're going to do The Last Jedi and you're going to follow up The Rise of the Skywalker, not only have you fucking betrayed me, but you've also betrayed the people who like that film. So you've, you, you've fucked off two people. And at least with this, they build upon it. And they do make a franchise of it, and it's going very strong, I imagine. But I just want more love for that Godzilla. I just want more love for that Gareth Edwards. I want to see where that story is. And I did think that you know, when you get to the end of this and it's like, oh my God, there's more buried. I'm like, well, yeah, that's fair enough. Let's make more of those individual stories. And they just go back to the Godzilla thing. I imagine this made quite a lot less money than Godzilla. And perhaps that's the, you know, the, the issue to go forward with it. But for me, I'm just, this is, this is cool. It's interesting. Um, it's definitely like a one and done thing for me. Um, I just don't know what else to say about it. There's just nothing here for me where I can be like, you know, if I'm going to, i tell you what, I, I, I'm, you can cut this if you want to. If you were ever going to do, you're going to be under the influence and watch a film, watch, watch this. I would imagine this would fuck you up 
if that's what you want to do on a Sunday night, just before work on the Monday, you go for it. And I'll be, I'm not, that's where I clap. That's my booyah moment. Well done. But if um, you're going to watch this on a Thursday and be like, you're going to come off Godzilla, I think. And if you're in that, you want that, like me, I want a, I want a very reality-based film and I want, to, I want to find these people interesting. This doesn't do anything for me. And every time I watch it, I just I feel that and I, I can't ever escape it. And I'm, yeah, and, and I'm going to have to go repeat myself, but it's an issue as an audience, a spectator. It's a difficult thing where should I get what I want and have the film that I want, that I want or do I want something that stimulates me in a way that I'm like, well, they didn't do what I wanted, but I can appreciate it. But I don't think this does this for me. I don't know anyone else. Um, be okay. Before you do this, just a quick, quick wrinkle. Um, I just checked. Both Godzilla and Kong made exactly the same amount of money. Like Which 500, is? 500 and something million dollars. On what budget? Um, a similar, 150 to 180 million dollar budget. This one costs more? Uh, I think so, yes. I just where does that money go? This, this to me, this is this special is effects. In have you seen how many people have, have they have to hire to to make this happen? Oh no, I pray, don't condescend <laughs> me, son. I appreciate that. Like, yeah, I'm condescending <laughs> you. I'm saying you like this is where the money goes. Like, no, no, pay I these people salaries. No, 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 this is this is shot in Hawaii. It's got more tax cuts. It's got more incentive to shoot there. They get rid of every fucking actor every five minutes. I don't really understand where the money goes here. Uh, and yeah, I sort of they put tax on fire fucking effects, and fair enough. But yep. I don't know. I don't know how you can. This can cost more than the, the Godzilla, uh, which was three Godzilla. Godzilla, hundred sixty million dollar budget. Um, Kong, hundred eighty five. Three oh, years apart, just, so we have to adjust me, for inflation. Someone's a bit. pissed that up. I tell you, I, I, that's that's absurd. I, you can. I don't. Can you just show me how, how much Shin Godzilla what budget that was? Yeah, it's going to be in, in probably in yen, but five bucks. You could, Hold on. Yeah, I just. I. I just yeah. think that you you can do this on a less of a budget than one hundred eighty five million. I just think you can. I, that that to me might be very narrow minded, but again, I don't know if Carson Charlie. Uh, Fifteen million dollars. Fifteen million dollars. One five, yes. Box office seventy eight, by the way, according to Wikipedia. Well, it can be done, can't it? It well, can be done. Yeah. It can be done with the actors in suits destroying small cities because that's what they did for years. <laughs> I mean, you can do it other ways. Uh, no, my final think, point, yeah. I think, on this yeah. film is going to be like, I think you guys are downplaying the politics in this film quite a bit. Jack, you say it's kind of unfair that you expected more from this film. Jacob, you say that you can enjoy it kind of like not paying attention to politics and it's not really being there. This film what defines... This film defines itself by its politics and its morals. <laughs> you have Samuel L. Jackson literally going fucking it all up like half the plot is dealing with his with him and his entire persona is based on the politics of this film like i mean i get it yeah there like it's not wrong to expect more out of this film because it fucking says it has more there like it is not at all like lying it's not at all hiding this it's not all like a tiny little side point we're going into that is this film and this film fails at that um that's i think that's my final point with that with like this film because i i think you're right if you're going to create the, the homages of apocalypse now and you you're you're a very tricky thing there because you're either asking for someone to be like look this is style over substance or you're going to have the comparisons to the war effect and i think i think you're right carson if you're going to implement them either have layers to it or don't do it at all nothing in these films should just be there and for me it's like Everything just being that. I remember when it was like first first person like shooting like these fucking whatever they are. <laughs> and then um, I remember him saying like, it's just a video game aesthetic. We live in a digital age. And I'm like, yeah, that's very interesting. But like, what does that actually do though? Like, are we, are you trying to like imply that we're in a digital age? Because that's, that's far more existential than the actual scene is we're just shooting a gun. 
or, or are you trying to show like the drama of it, like the the the, the one on one, the horrific parts of war where it's up close and personal? I think he fails on both fronts. But again, like Jakob will say, well, maybe that's not his point. But I feel like I think that's such an easy get of jail free card because if you're going to implement that, you you should at least have some. Again, I I, I come from reasoning. Are you going to say I want a point to everything? And maybe again, no, that's it's, me. It's okay. It's just when you think about. You. Okay, well, there's um. Okay, you could say that this is a mess, and yes, it, it there is a lot of politics hanging onto this, and there's more in, into this. Like there's a, this castaway sort of thing. The politics of of, of World War Two is in the very beginning. There's um, oh my god, I can't, we need to talk about that before we end. As well. Yeah, but then so so when you when, there's there's a man trying to make his way home to his family that you don't give a shit about because you've never seen him. That's John C. Riley. There's plenty of that shit in there. There's and you know. I know it's a bit of a kitchen kitchen sink, and I can you know what I, um, for the three and a half stars or three stars that I kind of I would probably give it. I can disregard some of it and just say okay, well pr- pretend this is not trying to be apocalypse now. Only just make you aware that the guy who made it saw apocalypse now, and then have a little bit of fun watching a big ape smashing helicopters. I could I could I could I could switch off for a little while and yeah, yeah. have a little bit a bit of fun because otherwise I would just hate this. Right. Yeah, fair enough. But you know, can we just talk about? I know we don't yeah. want to move on, but I, we need to talk about John C. Riley because um, I'm I'm a big fan of John C. Riley. I love my character actors, as I've mentioned multiple times here. What the fuck is that character doing in this film? Like, why would you open up your film in 1945, not give a shit about it, and then have a character that is just comedy, doesn't really add anything, and then you you bookend the film? That's really poor screenwriting to me. That's someone who's gone. We well, need to you need to bookend the film. It's like, well, why can't we just start it? With maybe because someone coming to show way home, and then yeah, but who's bothered? Sam, and who's it's just, bothered? <laughs> it's just yeah, but, I mean, exactly. Like, you've got the you've got the Vietnam allegory there. We've got the, the continuing war they've lost. They're trying to fight a fight constant, yeah. constantly to to maybe get some I don't know to, to feel honor like Carson said, but it's not done to the degree it should be done. And then you have the 1945 thing, which everybody in, in modern Hollywood seems to sort of romanticize. Like there's horror in that war far more greater than. Of what we've seen lately, and, and it's fucking bad now. I just find the whole bookend to me repulsive. If, if you're going to start, if you're going to start it, and you're going to have this really mystical element. Why don't you start it in the 1930s or, or in the era the original King Kong was started? Have it like that. Give a bit of cameo. Give a bit of grit, and let these people with with like rifles come to shore, try and see what it is, and then they get attacked like that. I mean, that then re- relates back to the law. You have a time frame then. The 1945, when John C. Riley, it just becomes a comedic element. And to be honest, again, we're talking about a massive ape. And then we're talking about a guy who's a castaway with a big bushy beard in his uniform. And he happens to be the only person on the island who can speak English for everybody. Well, that's like, exactly what he is. Well, it's just like lazy he, he, screenwriting, isn't it? It's just lazy writing. Who wrote this fucking thing? Oh, Dan Gilroy, Max Bornstein and Derek Connolly. Well, Dan Gilroy's got his fucking fingers in every pie going as well. Which is it was a, a big red flag for me as well, because I just again we need to I need to move on. But Charlie's just, Charlie's about to switch off now. <laughs> no, I just I just think that like there's just so many like there's so many like small elements here that just infuriate me. Wait, it could be just so well done this film. It could be an incredible Kong film, very much like Godzilla, which I think are on very different paths anyway. But there's just very small. I just I don't know if it's studio. I don't know if it's Roberts. I don't know if it's a screenplay. But there's just elements here, like the first film, and I'm just I'm just struck why they're here. 
I mean, I think this is just a case of like the studio figuring out, oh yeah, well, we can actually, you know, this Godzilla th th thing kind of just made us a whole shit ton of money. We can actually do this. So let's retrofit Godzilla into this. So they will hire a whole committee of people to kind of just make sure that everything's kind of just solves the seeds for future installments doesn't don't no one gives a shit that it doesn't make sense and then it's it's basically a mess because there's like seven different voices in there and then you can choose whether you like you you, you have fun with it or not but yeah it's it's yeah it's colorful it's jazzy and it doesn't make a whole shit ton of sense well don't forget this was the time where literally every film was becoming part of a cinematic universe like mm -hmm. the dark the universe <laughs> yeah well the movie was the same year wasn't it yeah. i believe so yeah which yeah. act we'll talk about later but um i think that yeah i mean everything was part of a cinematic universe so i'm absolutely like not shocked by this i do i don't know when the announcement was that they were going to do all these films leading up to Go godzilla versus kong i don't think it was before godzilla i think 2014 godzilla was supposed to be its own project and then yeah retroactively added after. it and you that also see it was a godzilla. what three-year break between films like that is a long time Godzilla versus Kong, you can't really say because of COVID, they got all the pushback, but like these films were supposed to be those last three, including Godzilla versus Kong, were supposed to be pretty, you know, rapidly all together. There was a you big know, break between those two first. You know, Kasten, as well, speaking of that, I think you're all right as well. I think when Godzilla premiered and this, this film came out, there was a long conversation about who would then direct Godzilla 2, which I believe is still in development, which ultimately probably turned into God, God um, fuck me, Godzilla King of the Monsters, I'm Kong King of the Monsters, whatever. But um, Hong it, Kong, there's, there's, yeah, Hong <laughs> Kong, yeah. There's very, but there's very clearly there's no real direction, and everything feels reverse engineered. To me, you, you can you can go with that and you you can run with it, but but sure as shit you will fall and you'll smack your face. And I think that's yet that might have yet to come. I don't know what everyone's going to say about the next one, but I think that moment is yet to yet to turn up. Because there's certain issues with a franchise when you reverse engineer it, where things become problematic. And the Star Wars franchise has, has had that. There's certain Marvel films that have had issues with that. You cannot create a franchise and have it as a second thought. And to me, that's what this, it just begins, this is what this film is, begins to feel like for me. And that's why I get slightly cold feet. Before we move on, I guess I have one thing I need to raise, and this just irks me. I'm sorry. We need to get to the bottom of this. The curious case of the missing King Kong Shlong. Whoa, why this whoa, massive why, ape whoa. does not have a penis. I'm sorry. It just... <laughs> I was... I <don't> really... <laughs> so I'm sorry. This is just anatomically incorrect. This is King Kendall. Sorry. <laughs> I'm really happy we didn't do this podcast during Cats. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does he need... Why does he need a penis, Jacob? To masturbate, I don't know, like to pee. <laughs> to, to pee. <laughs> he needs a pee, pee at least. Okay. He's an he's an you. Fucking not real to me, man. Like, I don't. Well, I, I had to I had to agree that this is not real because you know, like I mean, I did actually go and Google. Like, I have an actual Google search oh, on my phone. How big are gorilla penises? And <laughs> and, then, and they're actually two and a half inch. You're gonna <laughs> database if you're not careful. You think Ewan thought this was a real gorilla? I'm already on some kind of a database. Jakob, do you think Ewan thought this was a real gorilla? Or do you think he thought it was CGI? A little <laughs> reference to our Congo episode. Possibly. Check it out. Out now. Ewan's no, from Sunderland, though. I mean, he's, he's, strange he's, stuff he's, going he's, Sunderland. He's, he said he's never seen an animal in... in, in, in he's never seen a chicken in, in real life, so you know. Jack, you've seen Congo. He thought it was a real gorilla the entire time. 
That's quite sad, isn't it? <laughs> Charlie, I think you well, wanted to say... It's quite clearly a man in a suit, isn't it? Do you it's not, there's no if, but some maybe it's a man in a suit, man. No, he thought, they thought they got Coco Gregorio you know, <laughs> like Robin Williams in the background doing his dialogue. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so... So yeah, I was oh, just thinking wow. this is like I'm watching this. I'm like, this is like War Horse. Like they just studios are like, let's just CGI all the penises <laughs> out of this. Yeah, I want to see a full, uncut, anatomically correct Kong Skull Island edition. That would easily bump it up at least like two stars. Yeah. with yeah. the penis. Yeah, <laughs> I think it becomes slightly problematic because if he's fighting his enemies and they, you can use it to like hurt him and stuff like that. It becomes a, a tricky. You know, subject conversation, doesn't it? Especially yeah, when you it, fight dinosaur. You know how, like, um, Godzilla has like the tail whip that he uses on like the. Did he use on the Muto in in 2014? He Godzilla has like the tail whip. Kong can have his own sort of thing. I'm pretty sure you get the yeah. idea. Yeah, I think. Yeah, really King Kong Dong. Yes. <laughs> well, let's move on. Yeah, I think on that. No, I think it's time we move on from Kong Skull Island to 2017's Godzilla. King of the Monsters. The Earth unleashed a fever to fight this infection. Its original and rightful rulers, the Titans. For thousands of years, these creatures have remained in hiding around the world. And unless all the Titans are found, our planet will perish, and so will we. They are the only guarantee that life will carry on. Godzilla King of the Monsters follows the heroic efforts of cryptozoologist agency Monarch, didn't say that right, but whatever, moving on, as its members face off against a battery of god-sized monsters, including the mighty Godzilla. Um, I'm going to start with this film. I saw this in cinemas, and I hated it i genuinely like could not stand this film um it was i remember it came out the same weekend as rocket man and like i watched them pretty much back to back and it was not it was not a fun uh number two film on that double feature uh re-watching the film now i realized i had more i i don't like the film that much i don't think it's great had a lot thought it was much more digestible this time around um, I still think the plot is like incredibly stupid. You get this really kind of annoying um, going from place to place to place to place and how it rapidly moves on. But I think it was more fun. The reveals I found weirdly fun. Like it's not good, but Sarah Paulson like turning on them. Like there was some really fun reveals I thought throughout. Um, the CGI I think is quite piss poor if I'm being honest and all the other monsters I think the series overall now talking about this like has a history every monster except Godzilla and Kong feel instantly forgettable and rather shitty um but I thought this was at least like oh competent I think out of all these films this is the one that I had the most fun with but when you look at those other two films well I mean that doesn't really say too much I might contradict myself here so I'm gonna be very careful everything I've said so far I completely agree with but I'm gonna say this I like the down and dreary Godzilla. I really do like that film. I fucking love this film. <laughs> and I'm going to explain a few reasons why. And there's a few bits I don't like. But when I went into this, I wanted to fucking love this film. I love I loved the promotional material of it. I was so there for it opening night. I think I went midnight launch, which for me, for, for aside for outside of like a Marvel film, it's quite rare. But I was so fucking engaged with this. There's a few things I don't like. First of all, the colour palette that's taken from Kong Skull Island, very much here. 
fair enough. You want to do that. That's okay. It, we're building the foundation now. So I, I appreciate that. If you, if, if I, in my review for this film on Letterboxd, I described its, pre, its predecessor Godzilla as it's stunning, albeit shy. And this fucker is so out there and so abrasive about its, uh, its design, so abrasive about its color palette. It's so engaging. Like, it just loves itself. And, and it's one of those films for me where I can watch and I'm just engulfed by everything that's on screen. I love what they do with the characters. I love what they do with the, the, the human characters. Honestly, yes. Yeah, honestly, I, li- I love the law to it. I, f- I feel like this is a. Can this is one ex- of the... We need to elaborate on this because this I'm is. Going, you know... I will do this. This is initial thoughts. <laughs> but, you know, like after, after you let Charlie speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I love the law to this film. It feels like they're building on, on a connection. I love the evolution to the character. The, the one problem I don't like and an issue I have is it's the human element to it, where it feels like they, they have to reinforce humanity here. And they do it in such a, like, an obtuse manner. Like, I like everyone here. I like Carol Chandler. I like Millie Bob, Bobby Brown to a certain degree and what she's done. Enola Holmes, I'm not interested in, but this is this is fine. Vera Famiga, I've always really liked. I think she's, on in Hollywood standards, is not me. Hollywood standards, she's very unconventional. And I find I think she's a very beautiful and very like wonderful actress. How she's presented, she always does something very off kilter. I think the problem she has here is a, not as an actress, but as a as a character, is that she's the villain. And again, why do I care about a mother who's shitty to a daughter and has an issue with a husband who's the villain of the piece when I've got a three fucking winged, three fucking headed? dragon flying over decimating the whole of north america and he desecrates spain why do i care about her that's the problem this film has is that it's again it's trying to do the same thing that godzilla did is where it's giving you an giving you a scenario and it's trying to put another scenario next to it and i'm i'm not i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to destroy an audience or a spectatorship here but i think that's very distant i think it's very fair sorry excuse me i think it's very unfair for a director to do that to an audience. I don't want to choose what to see, present me as such. And I might contradict myself now because I'm going to say, well, I, do, I don't think at the end we should have the family issue in the midst of that fighting. I just think that you need so to- So you separate. like the characters, but they're in the way. Yes. In any, yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, no, but I, I still think that's a fair reflection of the film. I like what they present. I just don't, I just, there's so much like, why do you have to spoon feed us to a certain degree, how influential this character is into proceedings. It's like Charles Dance's character. That to me is like Bliss. He's a fucking egomaniac who's in there to do one thing. I don't know his name. I don't really care either, to be honest. I don't know his kiddie's name. I don't know his mother's name. I don't know his sister's name. I don't care about his tax receipts. I don't care about if he gives to charity. He gives one thing, one, that's one thing only, want to create chaos. Whereas when you get Vera Farmiga, I have to care about a relationship with a daughter which when you've got a, a fucking Godzilla fight in the background with atomic breath, I'm just like, you know, let's just speed this up. And I find that the problem with that is that that just gets fast forward to me. And I just don't want to do that. I watch, I watch everything as, as, as it's presented. But for most people, they just come like, well, fuck that. I'm not bothered about that. And you only get, you're the monster. It's like, no, let's not do that. Like, I get that she's a monster, but why are we doing that? Like, we're, we've, you know, we've got an audience here. Like, we're, we're not brain dead. Like, we're not numb. I appreciate that she's she's an evil woman or she's got evil things she's going to do, but you've got two massive fuck-off monsters fighting. Let's enjoy that, shall we? You know, let's enjoy that. With what we've got now in 20... What is it, 2019? 
you know, with, with the CGI capability. Let's just enjoy that, shall we? So we didn't get to see most of it in the first film. Well, I didn't get to see any of it in the second one, which I didn't particularly like. Let me indulge. Let me indulge. And they don't do it. And to me, that's what, that's what honestly, I'm going to be hyperbolic here. That's a shade off a star of a five-star film for me. Can I quickly jump in? Just to be very clear, I watched this uh, literally in the middle of a fever feeling I was dying on my couch. I genuinely thought Vera Famiga was Sarah Paulson. Just, I don't know why, but genuinely, yeah, I know you mentioned that. I mentioned her yeah. name before and I was like, genuinely, that's a Google yeah. search, by the way, because you're just like, what the fuck is he on had, about? <laughs> had no idea. I don't know if it was my fever dream or what, but I really just was like, Sarah Paulson. <laughs> Guess it wasn't. I just, there's something about this film where it's like, it just builds upon a foundation of, of a mixture of both, but I, I, I want perhaps this is this is me again as a spectator looking more into this film than I should do because I wanted something else. But just just to, I know because Charlie and you could be honest with you, I'm going to say just, we can move on if we want to after. But this should not have been part two of this story of Godzilla's story. This should have been part three or four. There is a sequel missing here to create a bridge or a gap of law, and they just don't do it. And again, it's that box office dread. I, again, I imagine they were shit scared of releasing this and nobody wanting to watch it. And I think Millie Bobby Brown saves that. But without her, I think this film would have would perhaps have been slightly dampened at the box office, which is slightly unfair as well. Because I think it, for, for bang for your book, you get a lot of stuff here that's quite like you get three quite aggressively interesting fights. And it, it's very much the heightened of CGI. So I'm here for it. You know, I, I like stuff like that to a certain degree. But it just feels like there's a film missing. In, in my, my opinion, I think that there's no Godzilla part two. That's what this franchise needed. And unfortunately, we'll probably never get that. I think oh, now it's your turn. Yeah, go Come on. on. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> for talking. No, you're good. I was listening to it all. I, I actually agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say that I, like, I really love this movie, but I do enjoy it a lot. Um, I saw it for the first time in IMAX because I was really looking forward to it. And then I just rewatched it for the second time. And um, first time, I wasn't too huge on it. I gave it like three stars. Um, I, I enjoyed it enough. I thought some scenes were cool. And for the most part, there's a lot that I didn't like. But going back to it, I, I, I like it a bit more. Um, I, there's, I still have a lot of problems with it. Like, um, I feel like the humans in this movie, like, I wasn't too huge on them. Um, and like you said, like, how can you really care about Vera Farmiga's character when you literally have King Ghidorah over there? Um, but in the end, I think what it comes down to is that this movie is really just like Godzilla fan service. Because um, like Michael Doherty, he's like a huge Godzilla fan from what I've like read. And um, you can really tell, like he really got, like, he got Rodan and Mothra in there. Um, so if, if you know about Godzilla, you're gonna like really love this movie. But if you don't and you're just going in as like like someone who's interested in watching a good movie, you're going to find a lot more like lacking. Um, but aside from that, it's something else I had an issue with was the whole Orca thing. Um, is that, was that what it's called? The, the machine? I think it's called the, yeah, Orca. the Orca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, um, <laughs> I wasn't too like huge on that. It was, it was cool, um, but I feel like it just wasn't enough. You know, um, they should have really showed it off like more toward the beginning to show what it's capable of instead of like just using it once with Mothra to show it can calm her down and then going straight into King Ghidorah. There maybe may, there maybe should have been like one more scene with it. Um, and 
the first time I saw the movie, I was like, why, why is everyone going crazy over this? The second time I understood more, um, but you know, that, that could have been something more. I think the, the, the sequences are pretty cool. I, I really like the Rodan scene, even though some of the CGI in that scene is a bit lacking. Also, um, like everything's yellow. <laughs> I hate every time they go to like, was that in, in Spain or Mexico? Do you guys? Mexico, I believe. Um, is it Mexico? Yeah, Mexico, yes. I thought yeah. it was Barcelona. Barcelona? Really? <laughs> no, I think you know, it was the, Mexico, the Americans have got like an indulgement of, of like when Sicario is like gold when they're in Mexico. Yeah. It's like, that's a, have that's... people ever been? No, they just think Mexico is in sepia tones. Just... Yeah. <laughs> Yellow and... That's good. That goes back to like traffic, no? And like I... 90s sort of action films. I live like 15 minutes from the border and I still think it's just once you cross it, it's just yellow everywhere. So, <laughs> fair enough. No, I mean, that's what it is. It's real, you know, cinema verite. <laughs> um, with like, I'm not a huge fan of like that part. Um, but I think a lot of the shots are really nice to look at. Um, there are some really stupid moments with the humans. Um, like there's this one scene where Kyle Chandler's like, I'm going to go find my daughter. And then this one guy, he's like, you don't even know where she is. And he's like, he didn't, even, he didn't even say anything. He just like leaves. And then he goes back. So like, that was just, that part was kind of useless. I guess it was kind of like the audience could be like, oh, this guy's cool. But like, okay. um, and I think the last shot of the movie, I really, I really, really love the last shot of the movie. I think right beforehand when all the monsters are like bowing down to Godzilla, that's kind of silly. But I think the last shot and then the title card right after, I think that is, like awesome i love the fucking it. goosebump stuff that goosebump yeah. stuff was a booyah moment would you say yeah <laughs> let's move I, on I it's quite, quite possibly a booyah moment i wouldn't clap at that part but i would certainly like would you stand <laughs> would you stand and clap you know <laughs> that, okay and oh, wow there's quite a lot has been said in here now because uh, have I done have done my initial impressions <laughs> no nope. welcome to the club <laughs> <laughs> okay well anyway so might as well just quickly just say a few things one thing there's quite a lot of that's been said I, I agree with already like there's there's a visual aesthetic that's very definite and then there's also and it clearly just plays off of the Kong film and then you know I, I kind of dig it more than I dig the brown Sort of the sort of, the sort of brown of 2014 Godzilla. I Stop saying like brown. Way. It's not brown. It's like it's like burgundy. Don't don't give Hold it on. so much credit. I'll let you get the fucking blue rail. Here yes. we go. It's it's burgundy. It's got red and brown. It's burgundy. Brown. It's, it's burgundy. <laughs> it's literally more That's red than brown. brown. Yeah. Well, red is kind of you know. Oh, red is an is an, is an yeah, element no, of brown. He'll, he'll argue the toss of anyway, <laughs> the title's red. Everything else is brown. Even the, in the fire is brown. In anyway, because well, yeah. Anyway, anyway, brown is not even a color. It's just dark orange. So you know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, same same wavelength, only just l l less opacity. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, where was I? Yeah, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. When I saw it in the, in the cinema, I fell asleep for, I shit you not, as it turns out, 20 minutes. Oh, my God. And, yes. Do you know I'm noticing which... a pattern here with you and yeah. these films. Yeah, every single one I <laughs> fell asleep watching. Do you, Can you possibly tell me, if you had to guess, where I fell asleep? Hmm. Would it have been the Mexico sequence? No. Antarctica? Uh, no. I would say in that segment in between where Millie Bobby Brown runs away and the Mexico sequence. Um, okay. 
when Godzilla takes the um, nuke to the face um, or something like that, and then he has to just go and rest under the sea, and then they go into the ancient sea of whatever, and then Ken Watanabe takes a nuke, and then he has a moment with Godzilla and he deploys it. I never saw it in the cinema. <laughs> That's honestly one of my favorite scenes of the film as well. It's literally just the most unneeded un, un, un sort of piece of oh my just God. Like, This no, is the 20 minutes that. that could go or just like be condensed somewhere because that's holy shit, this film's too long. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the runtime also could have like been shaved like, down a bit. Because it's just wedged in between these two massive set pieces. And all, all of a sudden there's this downtime and you're, and you're like, what am I supposed to do now? And and you just like nothing happens they just explain things and like i don't know kyle chandler is not making any sense and all of a sudden this <laughs> happens like he, he, i mean he doesn't make any sense throughout the film because he's kind of like i hate godzilla we need to help godzilla where is godzilla i'm totally on godzilla's side like the fuck, just make up your mind kyle like, just, you know, I, I don't to... know because it's poorly written, sort of uh, in general, because it's just it wants to be so much in such a short span of time. It's literally like it has the complex of so many sort of the well, the cinematic universe films. They want he it sees that it, you could see that the producers see what Marvel has, and they want the final end product without going and having the ten films, the building up to the big sort of. Um, you know, having the universe kind of come together. They want this too quickly. And this literally is like Batman forever. Like too many things at once. It's just, this could have been, like the, you don't need Rodan. You don't need King Ghidorah and Mothra and all these people in, in the same film just yet. You could, uh, you, you could have just easily spaced it out and people would have bought it anyway. And then they don't even put Ebra, which is like Loki, the best monster of this fucking universe. Yeah, yeah. That genuinely pissed me off the first time. You know, I have this working theory, though, that the ideal form of media that every story would be best as a 10 part miniseries on Netflix. Granted, WandaVision proved me wrong because that should not have been a part 10. <laughs> but I think that literally like, this film screams like if this was a 10 part miniseries, imagine every episode an hour long, let's say it would allow those characters to change their minds and feel a little bit more natural. I think they flush it out a little bit more because I agree it's too long how it is, but also it needs more time to flush out all of these monsters like I think that really would have been ideal. Um, I think though crediting like this film and how we've already talked about with the original Godzilla and Kong for that matter, this at least like turns these monsters into animals. It gives them, like you said, mentioned Jack, a lore that makes sense. Um, I do appreciate that quite a bit. I feel like this has the best handle as far as this entire franchise on like, what are these monsters? How do they think? Why are they doing what they're doing? It makes sense. But it this film feeds you this thing. Like, it, sorry, I'm just, but this lore is just like, um, what do you think we should call that one? And then Zhang Zhi goes like, in Eastern culture, we call this uh, Rodan. And like, oh yeah, that's that makes sense. Well, how do you want them just to do told it? Me this. Like, yeah. like, this is just shitty screen, screenwriting, like right there. And also just Orca, this thing, just makes no sense apart from this being just a MacGuffin, but they built a lore into it. Like, it's just ridiculous. I've, I've, I've got two things to say that might be slightly controversial. I'm going to start with the first one, which on reflection, I feel like nobody else really understood is that there's those twins, those two actresses who are twins, and they have Mothra, and then well, it gives yeah, birth. Yeah, well, that's, that's an element of the lore, I suppose, right? From like no, but it, like, 60s but or 70s. You, you could not tell in the film that there was two characters who were different. Like, you just felt like the same kind of thing. She was like in China or something, and she was on the ship. I was like, what the fuck? And it, that, that's an issue of like time management, that screenplay issue. It's an editing issue generally. Um, In a two and a half hour long movie, by the way. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
the other thing, I, and I think on reflection, what Carson said and what you've just said there, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in that when The Hobbit, um, uh, Desolation of Smell came out, I remember when, when that, that cliffhanger ending happened, I remember people being up in awe. And I generally thought to myself, was like, yeah, I don't want to talk about like it got split into three parts, meant to be two, meant to be one. Yeah, I appreciate that. But I think for a studio film at that level, that took balls to do that because you deny your audience a climax you know a lot of people do get angry when they can't climax and they can't find a climax yeah and i i think that on on reflection i think that's honestly one of probably the bravest things peter jackson has probably done in his filmographer where he's and he's not a man full of risk anywhere but i think on a studio film at that level i think that's very very ballsy and brave that needed to happen here i think that you can flesh the film out long enough for when we get to antarctica and Godzilla loses and then you cut to black, and then you have a part two of where then we start We start in, Me- uh, in Mexico, and then we end the film as we do in Boston or wherever the fuck it is. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel that's the most two, natural. Make it two films. Yeah, that's the most natural Brilliant. and organic part. The problem with that is, do they have the legs, and do they have the understanding, and, and hopefully believability that the part two will earn money? I think the bigger issue is why they didn't is they wanted to get to Kong versus Godzilla as quick as possible. I think yeah, it's I very mean, clear. It's very similar to DCU and Justice League, weirdly. We're like, yeah, they rushed the fuck out of getting there, even though they could have used more films. Like, I think that's, we talked about it last week, so I'm not going to get fully into it. But like, Batman v Superman is, well. yes. the biggest issue with Batman v Superman is there needed to be a film between that and Man of Steel. Like, it yes. needed that. It needed that narratively. And you just don't get that. So they're rushing to Justice League very clearly. Here they're rushing to Godzilla versus Kong very clearly, so I mean I, I just think, think that's that, a failure of the studio. I, w- I would love I would love to edit this film myself. I'd love to like get the deleted scenes if possible. I'd love to edit it in two parts, and even if it's like an hour and ten first, and an hour and twenty, an hour and twenty the next. So even if it's forty minutes, an hour and whatever, I just feel like it needs that that breath in, in the middle. I think okay. you can end it on such a like a, a very influential and, and quite distraught ending. Well, like King Ghidorah just like screaming in Antarctica, it's conquering the planet, and I mean, you cut to back. I mean, you'd have to wait what, for what, a year, maybe a year? A year. It's too space, long. Space it? No, space it out a year. That 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 I works. Think it's too long. And then there's probably a year. I mean, an hour worth of footage left on the editing room floor anyway. That you Hashtag can just... release the jack cut. Yeah, fucking do it. I mean, Come Infinity War took a year before Endgame. So like, I don't know. I think it's yeah. possible. It can be done. You yeah, know what? It can be done. Would have been interesting to have this film, then go to Congress School Island if you really need something to like tie people over until the end. And then you go well, to part yeah. two. Like, that could have worked. That's a fucking good show, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, what, that's such what, a really, that's a really good show. Godzilla, just sh- sh- Godzilla just, part two. Yes. Then, then this. Then but it just shows this, you this was Kong. retrofitted. This was yeah, retrofitted. Reverse engineered. That's what I said. Yeah, great so, terminology. I think scientific reverse engineered. Come on, I'm not sure this was reverse engineered, but I think yeah. No, not this one, but the whole fucking <laughs> thing has. Um, yeah, I mean, this it's it's, it's 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 like it just tells you that these producers they had no clue and they were just reactionary in in everything. They just look, look oh, this seems to work. Let's do this. Oh, this seems to not work with focused audiences, and they just keep flip flopping. Like this is literally like Warner Brothers and DC just going like, we want to go dark. Oh fuck! The dark is not good. Like hire Joss Whedon. Like no, just I can just pick Kimberly, something and yeah. pick something and stick to it. Jesus, look, I'm I'm not here for the fucking overpopulation thing, which keeps on cropping up everywhere. Like we need to desecrate the world because there's too many humans here. Do you really think like oh, fucking doing an atomic bomb is going to help anybody doing that? 
how fucking stupid have you got to be? Like you can, you can. I remember, I remember Sunshine, my girlfriend. She doesn't like horror films because everyone acts like you don't ever act normal. But you've got to understand if you've got a fucking Jason Voorhees in front of you, you're not really going to act normal. I appreciate the disbelief there, where you know horror characters don't act normal. Like when in Scream, people go to the fucking door or they answer the phone. You mean you have to do that for development, but also, you know, your your mind plays tricks on your horror. It's very interesting. Here, I don't know what my point is. Right there. I'll get there. I'll get. I'll get there. Wait there. Give me a oh, second. Also, also, just a real wrinkle. She doesn't like horror, but her her favorite film is based on horror lore. Well, the, I don't want to get into Twilight because I can't, I can't do it. Okay, no, you've, Jacob. No, though she, quickly, we watched Twilight the other day. You need to put out uncut gems because, like, the first Twilight, at least, very yeah, good. It's, it's the rest, one, that just fucking the first score one? is amazing. The that first score. one. The rest are trash, and I think there's an Agreed. interesting conversation there on why it went bad. The first one, as like a stylized romance, kind of almost indie film, it's really good. I mean, the, the soundtrack, I mean, the, the actual score to that film, the piano, is actually amazing. New Moon's got a very good soundtrack, but you know, we'll, we'll move on. Move on. I've got my point. So. When you've got two big monsters, these galactic fucking monsters, uh, you know, I appreciate that humans may act slightly uh, less than uh, normal, but there are certain things here where it's just, again, it's just disbelief. I'm not, I can't, I can't get it. I can't understand why Vera Farmiga would destroy half the population and then it would stop everyone, all this stuff happening. And then at the end, obviously she has to die. And I'm just like, why can't she just deal with her issues? Like, that sounds horrible, but like, why does she have to die to solve her issues? She should have to survive and reap the costs of what she's done. You know, when a daughter, she should be held accountable. It's so easy as a screenwriter to like, well, get rid of her now because then we've got, you know, we don't have to have that in part two. To me, I, I don't, I just, there's just, there's again, there's issues here that just crop up. And once we start to look at them, this film doesn't look any much different to the Kong Skull Island, but at least here there's a fucking story. And I think it's well cast. It's interesting that Billy Bobby Brown's here because for me, it's like, I don't think she's quite, um, how do I say this? It's, I, I think I've said this before on this podcast. There's an issue for me. If you're in, and it's interesting we bring this up about Brian Cranston is if you're in TV for so long, you become, as a, as a performer, with it, you ultimately become that character. And it's difficult to then come out of that and then for an audience to accept you, but also as you to develop as an actor. I find that her and Stranger Things will ultimately be her downfall if she stays there too long. That show needs to end in the next two seasons because at her age, she can't keep on playing a character that doesn't have much emotional range because she's not going to develop. And then when you see her in this, it's very much a far cry from what we've seen there before. And she's there. She's, she's, she's good in this film. She's there. But I feel like she needs more of this and she needs to stop doing stuff like Enola Holmes. Because as much as that's good for her as a, as a career choice, and it will be, I just think that for her development, it's not quite the right thing. And I think the issue with Brian Cranston is that when you see Brian Cranston in Godzilla, I don't see him as Walter White. I see it when he's running around in the fucking nuclear power station. I see Hal from Malcolm in the Middle. Because like, he does that thing with his mouth. And I'm like, that's just Hal from Malcolm in the Middle. And the problem with that is that it's when just you... Brian them, Cranston. Just, no, but it's, that's it's, his tick. Well, no, because when you see him and stuff like it, you know, he plays that blind guy in that film. I can't remember what it's called. Where's the, is that the, he's, he's a hitman. Very like an, an older film. Like he has got like range there. Like in Total Recall, he's shit in that film. The film's shit overall. But he injects something different. I, fi- I find him a very interesting character actor in that respect. 
I don't think he's Walter White in Godzilla at all. I think he's Howling Mouth in the middle. And that's because he's, he's for most of his career, he's created a, his range upon that character of, of having to deal with a family situation. I, mean, I feel like overact. We, that's what he does. No, and, I, don't, you know, I don't. I'm not sure if he's Walter White. He's just he's just too intense for the character. No, that that's too simplified for that. I I think he's I, you got to give him far more credit there. I, I think he's just an actor that's been ingrained with a with a certain criteria for a role, and has just used that and bounced off it. But for me, you know, he, he was a TV actor at one point, and now he's something else. But unfortunately, because you're in TV for so long, playing a character for ten years. That's where you take your grain. And I think Millie, Millie Bobby Brown, it's going to be very interesting what goes forward with her because she, I don't think Stranger Things is destined forever. But the, the evolution of that character there in that, that TV series just hasn't evolved whatsoever. I, I remember, it's like The Walking Dead. Like, none of those people are ever going to be in anything else because they don't have any range to do anything else. And it's like, you know, it's, you know the Friends cast, there's a reason why only one of them had a fairly decent career. It's because they were in it for so long. They couldn't do anything else because they don't have any range to do anything else. Hey, David Schwimmer killed it in Madagascar. Oh, stop. <laughs> he has to fucking <laughs> pretend he's a fucking giraffe. Come on. No, 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 you're totally, no, you're totally right. Anyway. <laughs> but, but no, it, it's, I, I, do, I know that's harsh on those, those performers because it's very naive, but I just think that once you get ingrained in TV, it's your downfall. And I think here, I think it was a really good decision for it to be a supporting character that's going, going to take the mantle. The problem with that is that where does that go? Because Enola Holmes doesn't give me much, much hope. Although the, there's a different text there, there's a different theme genre. I just think as a performer, I think she needs to really go down the Daniel Radcliffe route and do something relatively crazy. And then, not crazy, but just do something interesting. Look at Tom Holland now. Like, really? Like, are we really going to applaud Tom Holland for doing Chera? Like, what? Do I really believe he's a drug addict? No. He's fucking Peter Parker because he's ingrained in that character now. I don't believe it. Like, he's a fucking war. I know. Thank you. I can't be doing that. No. It's like Keanu. It's like Matt Wahlberg and happening. So you're a fucking teacher. Seriously. Seriously. Can't be doing it. It's not. To me, that, like, that, we're drifting away from the topic now. What are we talking about? Like, she yeah, needs I'm her. She needs her Swiss Army woman. That's what she needs. She just needs like something yeah. interesting. It's like good. I think it's interesting with Cranston not to like go back too far to Godzilla, <laughs> considering we're moving on. <laughs> but like, I do think it's interesting because I think Godzilla was the same year or right around when he did Trumbo. So like, he does have. Oh, Trumbo's like, a year after, I think. Year Isn't after. Twenty fifteen okay. Trumbo. Uh, something like I that. I forget yeah. if it's 2014, 2015. I think it's like, fifteen. I think it's really it's interesting. 2015, because those... I'm just looking at this filmography, trying to figure out what you were talking about. Because you just, like, you're just like dropping these hot takes, like, like a horse <laughs> shitting on the street. Like, this is just so difficult. I don't come on this show very often. I don't come on this show. When I come on it, I'm gonna fucking like, drop everything I can. I mean, yeah, just talk it pace, up. pace yourself, and then come on, like, come on the other show. Come on, like, come back on. Like, you know, I just, you know. Wait till we get to the next film. I'm, I'm not fucking done what do you yet. Mean next film, you. like that's it. No. <laughs> no, we're talking. We got to. We're going to discuss the next one, aren't we? No, I haven't seen the next one. No, we're going to discuss what. Yeah, what we think next. You. Yeah. <laughs> do you? This is. Are you what? on this show? Do you? Uh, what are you talking about? Well, what, what, because you know, like you've been talking about like Brian Cranston for like the last 
40 fucking five minutes. <laughs> like, I'm just like, where are we now? Like, is, are we still in Godzilla? What, what's going on? the context. <laughs> I think Brian Cranston, if he stayed around for Godzilla 2, I think you've got a very interesting character here. I don't think you'll have a very interesting character with Millie Bobby Brown in the next one. What, where can they honestly go with that? She's Godzilla's pal now. Seriously, we need to stop this. I've mentioned this throughout this fucking series. Stop making these things, pals. Godzilla, she's nothing to Godzilla. She's like an inch of dirt under his fucking toe. Why, why, why are they having to find it? Back? There's a connection there. Well, no, there's a, not. It's philosophical, you know. It's like oh, a god no, looking no. at an ant. And I don't just know why like, we do yeah. this. I honestly don't know why we do. I just find that I, she's a young girl and then she, she sees a monster and she wants to find the humanity in it. And that's really good. That goes back to the Frankenstein stuff. But he fucking drowned that kid, didn't he? Yeah, you know? He did. <laughs> he did. And, and there's the ramifications of that. And also, she, she, and she if might that's actually... 1935, I'm sure... I, that's, I think that's right. 1932. Or 31 is Frankenstein. 31 was Frankenstein. 35, yeah. Yeah. 35 yeah. Frankenstein. To me, if James Whale is pushing the boat then, and we can't do that with God, Godzilla King of the Monsters, I just think, where are we going? Where are we going? Where well, are we going? Frankenstein, though, had a purpose. Like, it was very clearly an allegory for, like, the gay experience, very clearly trying to be a queer text. Like, Godzilla isn't. Mm -hmm. Godzilla, what is gained by Billy Bobby Brown being friends with Godzilla? Like, what are we supposed to... What is the purpose hey, of that? There's exactly. nothing. That's my point. It's like... Yeah. Through the law of Godzilla, there, there, there is a substantial amount of, of, of um, substance there. And with these films, they're slowly decaying into monsterverse stuff where it's, we're going to blow something up, we're going to have a booyah, we're all going to clap, and we're all going to scream and shout because it's amazing in the moment. But when you, when you finish that film, it's not, it's not like a drug. You don't want to go back for more. It's like... It's like <laughs> No, I'm, going to, no, I'm not going to do that. It, it's just like it's it's just something that you don't find any substance in, and I think it's the biggest downfall of these films because, and each one of them, as what we spoke about, they all have something to say. This one loses it a little bit more than the last, and the last one lost it a bit more. And God forbid what the next one's got to say about anything, because I'm sorry, but if we've gone through all this era now where we're actually just getting a monster fighting each other, and you're calling your film Godzilla vs Kong, what do you expect me of an audience to come away from that? I, I do want to see them fight, yeah. But I want to see substance. Otherwise, I just might as well go play a video game. If I'm, if I'm not going to have that cinematic law there, then what, what we're doing here? Because for me, if you're hiring Adam Wingard, no disrespect to Adam Wingard, if you're making hiring him to make Godzilla vs. Kong, red flag, straight away. <laughs> And then again, Michael Doherty. What's wrong with Adam Wingard? Well, okay, before we get that, Jakob, no, before we get that, let's wrangle it in a bit because we're still on the Godzilla. Does anyone have anything to say about Godzilla, King of Monsters? I have I have just two things. Okay. They're small things. Like nitpicks, I guess. Um, the first one is so often throughout the whole movie, whenever like there's a big monster reveal, all the humans will just stop and stare like, and then they'll go back to doing their normal thing. And that's honestly just one of the stupidest things ever. Like, the first couple times, it's cool. But, like, it gets so old so fast. And, like, oh, my God. You should be screaming and running. Like, realistically, no one's going to stop and stare. And it gets to a point where the audience just catches on. Like, okay, we get it. We, we see it. It's cool, you know. And I, I love the big reveals. But I think it's so ridiculous how everyone just stops and stares. And my other thing is is how toward the end of the movie, during the whole fight in Boston, um, when, you know, you got like Millie Bobby Brown and like some other humans 
on like the actual like in the city running around and stuff there's so many moments where you see like king Ghidorah target one person specifically that honestly makes no sense Fuck that guy in particular <laughs> yeah like, like i don't know why because they were just rampaging throughout the whole thing and like oh there's someone down there and then they just start chasing them like i that makes that makes no sense and it's so silly it makes the it kind of just makes king Ghidorah like ooh, he's like like yeah he's like the villain but like he's he's still a monster he's not gonna think like oh i'm gonna go kill this innocent person just because you know i'm a bad guy they're just ramp like that's like that's just side stuff to them you know like that doesn't really matter to them i mean in all fairness the film is just poorly written anyway when you think about this like no they, they will say like oh look at this this new monster they'll, they'll gasp and then Zhang Ji will casually explain what they're looking at because she knows everything but she just keeps everything close to her chest until a good opportunity arises and then david stratire is gonna just make a phone call and say i i i would suggest that you um retrieve to a safe distance because we're going to use a special new weapon it's called oxygen destroyer and then all of a sudden just shows up on the screen and then a dude who says godzilla at some point explains what it is because oh, all of a sudden like we know everything about it because well clearly it's just you know we, we need to just shove this exposition in there otherwise people will have no fucking clue what's going on and it's it's a it's just a mess like it's just i don't know like it's written by like seven people positive please because all i'm hearing now is just negativity i like i like the color blue <laughs> well, there's a lot of it in here anyway um yeah see, see there you go there's a few good there's a few cool shots in there but it's written by a shaved monkey i'm sorry none a shaved monkey it has a it has yeah. a tail I, um the one thing i will say and I, i'm gonna say before as well i think hiring michael docker to do this film I think that's so risky and balls. Like he made trick or treat. This is very out of his park here. And I think on reflection, I think he's done a very, very good job here. Um, there's a lot of technical work here. There's a lot of like I imagine like previs. I think he does a very good job here to like craft sequences. There's a lot of like like JJ Abrams inspired work here where we've got the lens flare, we've got the you know digital zoom in. I'm like I'm just bored of that now. Like, I saw that like like in Mission Impossible Three in like 2006. I don't need that anymore. I think we, we can move on and we can make a really abstract and quite, you know, uh, I, I prefer like a really wide shot to see these monsters. I want to see how big they are. Um, and I think the film for the most part does a very good job of that. I'm very impressed with his work here. I would have been very skeptical knowing Michael Doherty was doing this beforehand. Um, and on that note, that's why I want to talk about Adam Wingard because that man has zero hope for this film. That man has no, di- that, oh my God. That man has zero visual um scope in his films well before I'm we really get like can we just Hold officially on. okay so close <laughs> that field but <laughs> one, one okay. because because you know just jack's just naturally just transitioned to to whatever like you kind of you know that that's that's what you get <laughs> no no I, I, I didn't i didn't mean to like do it on purpose i just i just i need to talk about adam wigard yeah no, just, so, just Hold okay. on a few seconds. I wanted to say one final thought. <laughs> one final thought about King of the Monsters. I would say this would have made, um, like we've just done Congo in like 1995 film. This would have made to me a 1990s sort of car crash of a film if it was like half hour shorter. Oh, no. so, because it is, it is appropriately done. It is, it's trying to be self-aware, but it's such a mess and it just bores me like after like, 
four, one hour and forty, and I'm done. I can't I'm, believe I'm, I'm you. Done. How can you say that and you enjoy the tax collector though? Because yeah. <laughs> tax collector is ninety minutes that? long. That's why. <laughs> oh no! Okay, if we, no. to be fair, we break apart Jacob's thoughts. He's we're going to be here literally all day. I mean, no, yeah. I mean I'm not go- I'm not going to indulge in this in 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 this poor attempt at strawmanning me <laughs> because like no, um, the tax collector and in this film. Two different sort of planes of, of discussion. One one is a monster movie. The other one is, is a is a, a monstrous pe- movie. No, one, <laughs> the other one's a pared down thriller about gangsters. Two different two different conversations. That's like the so, MCU meme where you put like you're like avant garde th- thriller for like Stock no, Strange or whatever. Like it's no, a I, shitty film. It's a no, shit it's, like attempt at. No, like a- I can I can I can say it's like well, how can you like Schindler's List if you don't like fucking Godzilla in 1998? Like no, these are two different <laughs> conversations. Like I'm just blow, I'm blowing the, I'm I'm okay. purposefully blowing this out of proportion to to show you how 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 dumb this comparison is. And before we go any further, let's hear a word about the sponsor for today's episode. On that note, why don't we move on officially to our overall thoughts? Open it up. We don't need. I mean, I don't think we need to go for an hour on this, but we'll see how we go. Our overall thoughts of the MonsterVerse at this point. What are your thoughts going to be on Godzilla versus Kong? You can listen to our Clappercast episode on that to hear the full debate. Let's leave it there because we already did it on the show once. Um, What are your guys' thoughts overall? I think, Jack, why don't you start? You want to talk about Adam Wingard. I'm incredibly scared about this. I think this is, on, uh, not to be on hindsight, but this is the beginning of the end for this franchise. They've, if they, from all intents and purposes, from what we've seen so far, I haven't seen the film, I'm slightly scared that this is going to be completely no holds barred action. And it's throughout the franchise, it's like it's one of the things that hasn't worked. I, I don't mind, I appreciate that we're going to see the intensity of these monsters. I appreciate we're, we're going to build this battle. But we both, we all know here that that the, the the finale of this film is not necessarily what it's going to be purported to be. We all know that there's going to be a third party here, and these two characters are going to ultimately fight this thing. And there's and not the going to be again, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. And there's going to be a Mothra <laughs> moment. You know, you know, save Mothra. How do you know that now? We're going to see that. We we just that means ultimately going to come to reality. But there's going to be no nuance here. I can tell that straight away. They're bringing characters from everything here that they particularly weren't great in the first place. Millie Bobby Brown coming back with Kyle Chandler. I don't know what you can really do here with those characters. You're gonna, they're going to bring a few uh, bits and pieces on this new Kong law, new character, especially that little girl has a connection with it. I'm going to talk about it very momentarily. Um, but the director you do not want to do this film is Adam Wingard. Adam Wingard's last five films, I think he's made them, is what is Death Note, which for me, oof, um, what you've got, uh, The Guest, which is generally a one-off at how good that film was. Then you've got the the one before Blair that, pardon? Blair Witch. I mean, oof. I think yeah. he does. And what else he did? Oh, your next. One, is your, it, next is your next was okay. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but your next and the guest, they're genre pieces, and I appreciate that. But they're very low budget genre pieces, Jacob. Where there's not much to go wrong well, there. They're, they're properly in in the films. Like there's yes. no studio sort um, of yes. Um, like I don't know, just ta- you know, just pulling the strings somewhere from from yes. the outside. Like this is his it, stuff. Yeah, and, and once he's given a little bit more material with, with, let's say, Blair Witch, which for me, that could be a very interesting film that I think ultimately just did a rehash. I'm not interested. And Death Note, I think, is quite frankly abominable. Like, I, 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 not abominable, uh, abominable. Is that the correct? No, it's shit. There you go. Um, it just it has nothing that for that. When you have such a law and you have such love fans and what they do to that film, and it's like, what's going on? Like, what is happening? Like, Willem Dafoe the best part of it is not even on screen 
I'm, I'm, I can deal with it. But for the most part, that film to me is boring. And then he, he turns up in She Dies Tomorrow, which really annoyed me. And I'm just, my issue with the film is that they're going to go down. The, there's no, there's going to be abstracts here. There's going to be no nuance, no layers. It's going to be a, a, just an action romp and it's going to bore me. I don't want to just see them fight. I want, I want real world stakes. And I'm sorry, but I'm just, again, I'm tired of this that where, you know, Kong's, Kong's human. Like, you know, we need to think of him like that. He's, he's got honest bones in his body and, you know, he's here to help us. No, he's not. He's going to be put in a scenario where he's going to beat something to fucking death. And yes, it's cool when he's got the fucking shield with atomic breath. I'm here for it. But I don't know how that can be so much substance in that film. To me, I think it's going to be a very limited amount of, you know, amount of moments there. But again, this is the beginning of the end for this franchise, if, if my fears are realised. I can't see them going back from this and, and going anywhere else because there's going to be a post. I'm going to, I'm going to spoil the last 10 minutes of this film. I haven't seen it, but I'll fucking tell you. First and foremost, there's going to be a battle to the death. It's going to be Millie Bobby Brown and the little kid who likes Kong. They're going to fight to the death instead of the monsters. That's we're going to have the real bloodshed there. That's going to be like, my, my monster's better than your monster. That's going to be the real ending. And also... Your dad can beat in, up your dad. Yeah, exa- exactly. Like, like, you know, they'll be fighting in the background and these two kids will be fucking screaming at each other. The real... The, 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 real, the, the post-credit screen, there'll be a, um, a mecha uh, King Ghidorah. That's what, that's what they tried to do with Charles Dance in the end of the last film we spoke about King of Monsters. That's what will be set up. We'll go into a new age after this. We'll probably take five years off. In, in world time, it might take 15, 20. We'll recast everybody, and then we'll go the next evolution of these characters. The problem with that is you're going to miss 15, 20 years internal law of where we can watch this. They, may, they, may, they might make a Netflix show. They might make a HBO Max TV show exploring that, 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 that era, but you're going to lose the law. So you're going to go back to animals fighting animals, and it's just there's just no substance there, and that's unfortunate what is going to happen. And I was correct about the Mulan Tenet thing. I was correct about she dies tomorrow. Anyone who wants to bet against me, I'm here for it. I will, you can, I will bet against the, the Billy Bobby Brown thing, whatever that is. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, we're going to go Mecca. We're going to go Space Age. It's just going to, it's going to be everything that I think I don't want to see about the, these films. We're going to lose the human character. And, and again, for me, I just don't see how long that's got legs. I really don't. I don't see who wants to be there for it because ultimately we're gonna we're gonna have those. Oh, what, you know, I'm gonna have the, the wallpaper of my laptop. You know, because we see the, the you know the, the you know the HDI screen cabs. I'm like, yeah, I suppose it's just gonna be fan service upon fan service, and you know, I know maybe maybe they'll surprise me. I don't know, but for, for me personally, knowing how Hollywood is and how fickle they can be. I don't really see anywhere they can go after this aside from just upping the stakes to a point of oblivion. And ultimately, it'll blow up on itself. They'll have to fucking go back to square square roots. And in the next 15 years, we'll probably get a, um, a remake of Godzilla again, no doubt. For me, that, that is generally what's going to happen. I don't have any, nothing in my, in my body tells me I'm wrong. And usually I'm, I'm, I'm quite up to, you know, calling my own bullshit. But for me, I'm, I'm very scared after this film. Really, I really am. I'll say like past Adam Wingard, who I think is a shit show director, not good. Um, I have a weird amount of faith in this film, not as a franchise. I think you nailed the ball, like nailed it on the head with the franchise. I don't see how this franchise really continues that far in the future. Even if you go to Mecha Godzilla and Mecha Ghidorah and all that, like 
what else is there really left to do? Like, I just don't think there, this is a franchise that has legs. I think this was the end point. They might want to continue it past this a little bit, but like, I think overall, this is the end point. And granted, they seem to know that at least, but all the trailers, all the like promotional material, it at least seems like they understand the selling of this is that these, a big ape and a big lizard are going to fight each other. And I'm hoping they don't try to go too much deeper than that. Um, I mean, look historically at Wendy's like big characters fighting each other. They don't really deliver that much glass, you know, to the side. Cause I think that film's really good. Uh, like Batman and Superman. What's, I didn't like, I don't like a lot of these glass. films cause it's fucking good, but it is very but, similar. Like literally you have the main characters and then you have the characters on the side. In this case, it's Millie Bobby Brown and the children. Like it's very similarly set up. Actually, it's kind of weird. Well, you know, it's a different um, conversation. Like these are, no, 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 no. I don't want to. I don't want to get dragged down to, to this. We can't again. do another three hours on glass, Jakob. We have to. We have to this, move on. Yeah, you, you have just to, to listen find to out you're wrong, Jakob, as well. Listen to like episode three what, hours. Of was that. it? Was it epi- episode six of Uncut Gems? Go and go and listen to that. <laughs> yeah, good episode. Yeah, yeah all speaks some fucking knowledge in that. Uh, Opinion uh, is not knowledge. It's not. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll that's a split twist, though, didn't I? I anyway, I Charlie, what do you think about Godzilla versus Kong? I, well, I guess that's split twist years before it happened. Well, if I may, f- if I may finish with what I was gonna say, because you cut me off, Jacob, to, to shit on glass, which you're wrong you just, about anyway. You taunt me and then you just complain. Come on, because you are wrong. You look at that anyway. Okay, we don't need to get in glass because we actually will be here for a while. Um, I, I'm excited for Godzilla versus the Godzilla versus Kong, whatever it's called. Overall, looking at the MonsterVerse, I will say at least I don't think it's a well put together universe at all. I think they did a shit job building this whole thing. Even if you know where the end point is, you retroactively add stuff. I mean, we've already kind of mentioned film by film. I will say at least they did it. You look back at 2015, 2016, 2017, where everything was becoming a cinematic universe. They all died. They failed. Look at the dark universe. They had their fucking little like photo shoot and they died after the mummy. Other than DCEU and MCU, this is the one that stuck through it, really went out there and actually did it. Even if they did a bad job, you know, I'll say praise. You did it and you are getting to your end point. Most projects, most series, they don't get to do that. So I'll say good job there. Uh, Charlie, you can take it over now. Um, I, I do agree that there's really not much else to do after this. Like, yeah, you got like the, the Mecha Godzilla, Mecha King Ghidorah, all that stuff that's like in the future. But what it comes down to is that it's just going to end up being the same kind of thing over and over and over again that we've seen before. Um, and an- another thing is, is that like leading up to the point that we've reached right now, um, it's it's I feel like they made the same mistake that the DCEU made where they kind of just skipped way too many steps and they just try to rush this. And now it kind of feels like Godzilla versus Kong is like their end game, you know? Um, and it, it's kind of funny saying that because their end game is just like a giant primate fighting, you know, Godzilla. Um, but I, I do have some like predictions for Godzilla versus Kong. I don't really have much else to say for like the future because I think this is pretty much it. I don't know why else. I mean, I, I would see future MonsterVerse movies after this, but I don't think many people would. Um, and I feel like the, the, the people who are making this like legendary, I think they know that. Um, and, you know, they wouldn't want to like sink all their money into that. Um, but so I really, I don't know what's going to happen after this aside from the whole like Mecha thing. Um, and I don't even know if people will be interested in that, but thus far, I feel like it was rushed. I, en- I enjoyed Godzilla 2014. 
Kong Skull Island disappointed me. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not too big on that movie. And King of the Monsters, I'm very neutral to positive on it. Like I'm very, very in the middle. Like I, I have pretty much no opinion on it. Um, can I say like some predictions that I have? For yeah, okay. So um, I, I, my friend Sabian, he's a huge, huge like Godzilla fanatic. Like he went to like the con and everything. He has two whole shelves of memorabilia. So it was pretty fun watching these movies with him. Um, but he, he has a pretty solid prediction that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, he, well, given that he's a huge Godzilla fan, he obviously wants Godzilla to win, but he thinks Kong's probably going to win since the whole King name, um, Kong Skull Island. He was never named, well, I mean, he was named King Kong a couple of times in the movie, but the movie's not called King Kong. And then you have Godzilla King of the Monsters. So he's saying that Kong's going to win so we can take the King Kong you know, like thrown, I guess. For, for me, that doesn't like, that makes sense. I could see why they do that at the same time, like Godzilla shoots lasers and stuff. Um, but, you know, aside from that, um, I haven't seen any trailers. Um, I'm, I'm trying to go in with an open mind. I don't know what else they can do after this. I don't have a lot of faith in Adam Wingard, but from the, the little bits that I've seen of like, you know, frames and shots, um, I like the way it looks and I, I can't deny that I'm excited to see it, you know. I'm really excited to see it, but I'm I'm just trying to like I'm I'm bracing myself, you know, that kind of thing. That Kong thing, that uh, King Kong thing is so fucking stupid. That's probably actually gonna happen as well. I just yeah. can't see Warner Brothers not wanting to do that. They're gonna I, I wouldn't track record. There's also more money to be made in Kong considering you've only had a prequel at this point. Godzilla, you've done two films. You like narratively, I don't think they have a lot that they can do with him. Like you've seen him fighting monsters, you've seen him fighting in a bunch of different environments. Like you've seen it all kind of with Godzilla. So if there really is going to be a winner, I don't know about fight to the death. I don't know if it's going to be that fully, but like I do think Kong is going to win, which is good because I'm on Team Kong like firmly. So I feel <laughs> on my end. you know, the, 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 the team up together and they just uh, go against. You know, um, bad. If it, if it makes Godzilla, I'm telling you, Charles Dance. Yo, they did say they might do a crossover with Pacific Rim. I think that could be fun. Oh, I was, I was just about to say that. Stop. Because <laughs> they, they have it, right? It's legendary as well. I'm not, I can't, I'm not, I'm well, not entertaining that. If that, if that no, if no, that one, or was it, what was the other one, Lionsgate? No, yes, I Lionsgate. Pacific Rim Uprising was shit, but like, if you go back to the original, <laughs> it could be good. Yeah, imagine oh, a Del so Toro, imagine that's a Del Toro directed Godzilla versus Pacific Rim film. That'd be really good. That sounds horrible. I mean, imagine, oh, imagine Del Toro yeah. directing anything. It's still going to be great. I can't. I'd like to see a, a Del Toro Godzilla film. <laughs> Japanese era. I'd love to yeah. see that. I think the big question here is that we're all we're all talking about, you know, what's next. I think if this performs the way it's going to do an HBO Max, I don't have any fucking choice what's next. I don't think we'll have a chapter after this. I think be, there's no question mark for me after this. I think even if it makes big money, I think my plan will go forward. They'll go, they'll go to another age. But releasing on HBO Max changes that game completely. I think this is this might be just a full stop if, if they're not careful because it's going to open internationally on on certain markets, especially the excuse me the American market. It's not going to open here. I don't think it's going to open most of Asia. Uh, China it might do, but I think there's a, there's a lot of issues there regarding censorship and religious iconography, which these films often you know you know. I'm on the magical mystical elements that these these films want to tater to so that's again suspicious if it's ever going to come out um 
I don't really see this making or how it can make a lot of money as well, which is such a shame because as much as I, I, I'm, I'm slightly trepidation of it, I do want to see it succeed. If we don't see these films succeed, I don't want to watch Matrix 4 on my fucking phone. I need to see it in the cinema. I have to do it. I have to do that. That's, if it. Does, I will be seriously. Uh, the specific room in Godzilla I can deal with, but if I have to watch Matrix 4 at home, I don't know why I can go forward with that. I just think the HBO Max deal that goes forward where isn't going to be only Regal Cinemas that are going to show Warner Brothers films now in the cinema as well. I think they've all changed it to um, where like now they've all backed down and they'll show them. I mean, because theaters, no, theaters are on. not surviving without them. Theaters literally could not survive without no, these films. Uh, hold on. Cineworld's now making deals with, because they're, they're opening in, in May. So they're saying they're going to be allegedly. Stuff. Yes. So I don't know. Anyway, on predictions still, um, Godzilla versus Kong. One of them, one of them is, is is a big ape. The other one's a mi- miniature nuclear plant. Like, figure it out. <laughs> um, and one of them, one of them is Loki, a god, right? That's kind of just all, I don't know, older than the universe itself or whatever. So I kind of sense like this is gonna be like BVS, where Godzilla is Superman and then you know Kong is Batman, and there's gonna be like a third party and then whatever. But what, but Godzilla is gonna die at the end, and that's gonna be the big reveal. Well, that's not a bad show. And then when the King Ghidorah Mechazilla thing comes down, they'll have to then... resurrect it. Yeah. See, there I mean, you go. Boom. I done. Mean, and then you go to it's literally just now Justice League and they'll hire Joss Whedon to make to make sure this is. I mean, the, the only thing that slightly like scares me about it is that there's, there doesn't seem to be a plan in place by Warner Brothers for next as well. There's nothing this is their MO now. Like they that don't even really have a plan. They just flip flop and react. I suppose they can't do in the current times, but you thought they'd have a fucking game, wouldn't you? That's why I just think that... Well, to be fair, like, you can't really announce, like, if they're going to make, like, a Godzilla 3, let's say, or a Kong 2, you can't really say, like, oh, they're going to fight to the death, but, like, oh, by the way, the next film's God, <laughs> yeah, no, Kong 2. So yeah. I think, I probably think behind the scenes they yeah. have, like, a much well-established one. I'm pretty confident after this film, we're going to hear an announcement of, like, probably multiple films. Oh, possibly. I mean, I will wow, say this. Wow. Like, That's in, generous, if, Carson. If you, if, you com- if you compare, say, like, what Marvel and Disney does, no one has more money than Disney. So that's the sort of problem that Warner always had. I mean, all the other studios, they're basically just much, much smaller. So they don't, like when they want to spend like 150 million on a just production budget plus another 150 on marketing, it's a lot of money. Uh, For Disney, this is peanuts. They can basically just say at risk, just spend a billion and and they'll make it back anyway. If Warner Brothers spends a billion and doesn't make it back, they're gonna flop. It's a choice then, isn't it, to release this now? Like, very generous thinking, I know, but, like, it does seem like we're kind of rounding the end of this, like, pandemic theaters are opening. Like, you're choosing to release this in March. You could push it back to, let's say, November, you know, whatever. And then it does feel like it's, you know, as safe as we've been in the past year, saying theaters will probably be open then to a much greater degree. There's vaccines going around. Like, you are making the choice, the act of choice to release this during a time where theaters are closed. Like, it's not a good release schedule no, if you want to make not. money I mean, off this. I, I mean, what's, what's, I mean, what's they've been, what's they've the been sitting on this for a long, for a long time now. I think they're just basically just burning a hole in their pocket now. I think that they. I mean, clearly they want people to see this film. I think this is the perfect time to release this film if you want all eyes on it because there's nothing else right now. So like everyone's talking about this film. The conversation around this film would not be this big if it was a normal, you know, like normal release. Because you'd have to compete against Marvel at every other weekend. This this reminds me of the Mulan situation though. It's it's like, we we, we did this on on Clubbercast as well. It's like, it came out in, a, in its own justified time frame where you only had one rival, which was then swiftly moved out of the cinemas. 
but nobody gave a shit. And it's, that's a massive Disney Whoa. property, and nobody. Also, the film's terrible, but yeah. nobody actually gave a shit though. It also was premium access. I think if it wasn't premium access, Soul got pretty good. Like it's hard because it was also shit, like you mentioned. But you also mm. had to pay the thirty dollars. Soul got a pretty good like entering the zeitgeist to being a big deal. Raya did not. Raya was also premium access. Granted, again, that film was pretty shit. Yeah, we don't need to go into it again. But like <laughs> Soul was really good. So it's hard to be like it's hard to fully I'm not compare. A, I'm not a little girl is not for me. So. <laughs> It's hard, yeah. It's hard to compare them, but I think it's a mixture of like you had to pay thirty dollars for Mulan, and it was shit that died in the conversation very I mean, clearly. If I it was, what, what, what yeah. range are we talking here then? Because uh, let's say it's got to be if 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 School Island is one eight five, then surely King of the Monsters has got to be two hundred. This has got to be two two hundred two ten. Uh, yeah, could be if you want to look it up. We've, we've got to seriously look now about this. This cannot make money back, surely. I mean, logistically, their goal I mean, can't be to make money back if they're releasing it during this time because people have already saw like there's yeah there's it's, their it's goal a range can't be to make money. Sixteen to hundred, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Okay, uh, they're, they're they're losing money on this as, as we speak anyway. So what 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 we're talking about? If it opens, I tell you, if it opens opening weekend, I'm talking ninety five million open weekend, and I think that's generous as well. But I think if we're, we're talking about HBO Max. I mean, they to need make, to make, I think about it, they need to make four hundred million dollars domestically to to break even. I, I think I think they'll, they'll accept a loss there, regardless. So then, couldn't you say justify it as you're trying to get as much attention and eyes on this as possible to set up the future sequels to hopefully make those make more money? You would. I think, you, I you, think you, that's, you that's the only way I can justify it. <laughs> I think yeah. that's that, I think that makes sense, you know, because I mean, yes, this film is not going to make money. This the only thing it, it, it capitalizes on is hype, right? Because it, they've they've clearly spent a whole lot of money and effort to kind of just set this sort of um you know like Kong Kong versus sort of Godzilla sort of like pick your team, right? So it's clearly there to just make sure this film persists in culture, and if it doesn't persist, as in for long enough to people for people to see what's what's next, they're done. And this, and this is like serious financial ramifications. I but think. I don't think anyone cares. Like, I don't think Godzilla, King of the Monsters was like a big deal or anything. I think right now no, their logic is like, hey, we've been a year without a real blockbuster. You have Wonder Woman and like Sputnik probably was the best, you know, blockbuster we so had, good. which, you know, fucking take that how you want. Um, Tenet, like, made whole this... Tenet made money still. Fuck I mean, Tenet. No, 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 no one likes Tenet. Of... I know. No, there are people who like Tenet. And Tenet, I mean, they, they, it, make, it made money. It didn't make enough, I think, because it just cost a fortune. Yeah, you know, okay. It, so it cost like an excess of $350 million to make, plus all the marketing for like three different campaigns because they've been pushing this down the road. So, so in know. the past year, there's been three to four blockbusters. Either they haven't been seen or they've been <laughs> shit. So like you have the image of a huge fucking ape battling a huge fucking lizard. I think that right now they're assuming, and I think they're correct seeing how the reaction's been, is the fact that people want to lose themselves in the theatrical experience like that more than ever. Uh, yes, and also they also want to capitalize on the fact that Marvel's sleeping. Yeah, well, when would you release it in the summer among like Black Widow and then whatever else, like Doctor Strange, too, which are clearly just Black Widow's going to Disney draws. Plus Premier Access. No, Maybe no, you but do. If, without the pandemic, so this, this thing would have to release in between Marvel and Disney releases which would be just direct competition. Like this is basically just, okay, well, this, this is 
the time for them to do this and this is the only time for them to do this otherwise there's going to be competition which is just going to take their tickets away can i mention just two things really quickly not to put in, but the two things i've noticed about just reading about this film very quickly is that first of all it's an hour and 53 minutes the shortest of the whole series so far there's an indication of the issues of the previous predecessor but also as well internally contextually this film takes place five years after the last one so about our theory about the next one taking five to ten to fifteen years that's also very plausible I mean, I, I'm, I'm, if you're going to make a franchise and you, you've only got to put four films in it, I think there used to be, you used to make three, three films in a franchise, it used to be a trilogy. That's how it's, you always used to cap it off. You'd always have a story of a beginning, middle and end. We're at, the, we're at stage four now, which in other terms is you know, slightly worrying if you're on stage four in any of the terminology, which is, again, might be an indication where we are at with this film. There has to be surely... Um, an olive branch to go forward. So I don't, I don't discount that. My issue is that I, I don't see who's going to be left around to give a shit, to be honest. And I think, I think all four of us here, I think we're interested to see it, but I don't think anyone's clamoring to see where this goes next. And I think if you've not got no demand, I'd take a, I'd take a very strong pause after this and reassess. Not because of the poor films, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of direction that they need to sort of work out. But that's where I probably would my thoughts end because the more I think about this film I might use my headache I just want a normal God I just want a Godzilla 2 I wanted a Gareth Edwards Godzilla 2 that's all I ever wanted I mean that's what I would have wanted as well I was gonna say that's what we all would have wanted but I don't know I don't know I think when you look back at it four films deep and you look at the trajectory of this franchise I just think that there's chalk and cheese every single one and I, and I appreciate that and as an audience I think people would like that um, but it just makes me slightly skeptical what we're going to see next so if we've had a war film we've had a We've had, um, you know, a thriller. We've had a, whole, a, 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 a an action film. It makes you think what genre this is going to be, because I think this is where the sci-fi comes in quite heavily, or the next yeah. one is anyway. Um, I like that though. I like that MCU model. I like that. You know, we're going to make. You know, we're going to we're going to do a, I don't know, a, a science fiction version of a film, and then we're going to do a comedy version of it. I do like that, and I, and, I, and I do appreciate where they're going. They're getting directors who are not particularly fond of this work but Michael Dock is an interesting one Adam Wingard will be an interesting one if it succeeds I hope it does I don't have a lot of uh, fight for that um, but I just I would you know it's, there's a lot of questions here and it, it doesn't seem to ever want to stop and I, I think that's that says a lot more than it probably should do about these films unfortunately yeah I mean I really hope that it makes money because um, I feel like a lot well especially like right now like there's a lot of reliance on blockbusters to keep like movies running and whatnot um so i feel like if this movie does well um then it'll like give us or like give time um until like the summer when more bigger movies come out um because i i want like the the theaters to stay open because i don't want them to go out of business or anything um but at the same time, who's to really tell, you know, um, everything's kind of pointing in it, like kind of failing. Um, but from like all of my peers and whatever, they all know about it. Um, it's not like it's flying under the radar, kind of like how, I mean, I want to say King of the Monsters flew under the radar, but I didn't hear many people talking about that movie when it came out, at least people that like I knew personally. Um, so this is definitely going to turn some more heads, but at the same time, like, where's the monster verse going to go from here? Probably not far at all. 
Cool. So to close out the conversation, maybe on Godzilla versus Kong, we don't need to get into like reasons, but I want to just go around. All of us give our official prediction. Who's winning Godzilla or Kong? I'll go first. I say Kong. Jakob? Um, what did I say? I think I, I, I went with the BBS. You said Godzilla. Right? I think, did I, did I say Godzilla or no? Because yeah, I, I, I think I changed my mind now. So I, I, want, I want this to be like BBS. I, come on. I want this to be um, Kong wins, Godzilla dies, and then in the next film, Godzilla gets resurrected. I completely agree with Jakob. I agree. Well, though they did resurrect him, didn't they resurrect him in King of Monsters to kind of? So well, like, he, he was sleeping. Yeah. Well. <laughs> okay, so you I say... Was, I was sleeping, sorry. So yeah, can you officially say Kong, Charlie? Yes. I think just because of the King thing that Kong's going to win, which is honestly ridiculous, I would want Godzilla to win, but um, it doesn't even matter anyway because whoever dies, they're bringing them back. Yep, and then Jack. Oh, I agree with Jacob, I think. I think Kong wins. Godzilla sacrifices himself against well, what I imagine is going to be Mecha Godzilla, whatever happens next, and you know, it's a reincarnation of the character going forward. I can't really see subtextually or contextually where, where else it goes. I think that's a really strong um, aspect. And, and then again, like you said, Carson Kong then is allowed to free it up and not have a franchise, but then we go into part two of what he's been doing for the last 50 something years. Awesome. So Clappercast officially hashtag is on Team Kong. Take that, you Godzilla losers. Uh, to wrap up Clappercast, we like to end on the crew's latest film recommendations. This has been long, so let's do this rather quickly. Um, I will start us off. If you've been listening to this, I've been on 2001 Retrospective, watching a lot of 2001 films I missed, re-watching a bunch I like. Uh, and like I said, I've been sick this weekend, so I watched a lot of them. But I must say, 2001's Moulin Rouge. Watching this sick with a fever was one of maybe the best film experiences I've ever had in my life. It is batshit insane, but also like has a really strong heart. Uh, the soundtrack I thought was really solid with all the songs they chose to use, like the v- beautiful production design, costume design, like incredibly technically well made. The editing, like it is a choice. If you hate this film, I fully understand. But if you haven't seen this one or you haven't seen it in a while and you remember enjoying it, check it out again. It is so just genuinely much fun. And like I said, when you're sick with a fever, I truly felt like I was in a fever dream, but it was real life and it was just, it was perfect. Um, Jakob, why don't you give us your recommendation next? Oh, I honestly don't know what to recommend because I've been like, honestly, like re-watching all this stuff for, for this show and then watching Justice League over like the course of two and a half days. So I might as well just reach out a little bit to the back and then follow with uh, what Alina said on the last episode of the show and then also do a shameless plug for Uncut Gems Pod and whatever uh, and just say, never let me go one of my now all-time favorite films ever uh, go and watch this it's absolutely brilliant awesome jack what is your recommendation this week well, first and foremost uh, um the the soundtrack to moulin rouge is actually outstanding like the hindi sad diamonds at the end is generally one of my favorite pieces of music and film um my film's gonna be a strange recommendation i watched this the other night with my family because it's a childhood classic and that's govabinsky's mouse hunt as a director debut goes i think it's outstanding the use of camera, comedy slaps at the tone. The soundtrack is extraordinary. I think Lee Evans is phenomenal. I think Nathan Lane is vastly underrated as, a, as an actor, especially his comedic sensibility. All in all, I think the editing there is also pitch perfect. It was just a wonderful time, not only to go back to childhood and see something that you see. Sometimes when you watch something when you're younger and you have this sort of like abrasive nature where it's, like, oh, it's amazing. And then you look back on it 10 years later and it's like, wow, that's absolutely shit. But Mouse not only held up, but I, I, I sort of saw it in, a, in another um, another viewing 
um, landscape as well. As a cinema, as a cinema file, I thought it was extraordinary to watch and really, really indulgent. You know, to see where Gore Verbinski's gone after that into the Pirates films and, you know, The Ring, very interesting director, one that should be uh, noted for a lot of interesting films like The Cure for Wellness, which I think is vastly underrated. But Mouse, and if anyone's got time to just watch something that's farcical, I think you really, really enjoy it. I think it's a film that we want to watch now where it's a little bit of hope and, and a bit of fun about bringing us all together about the power of string. Really good. Yeah. Perfect. And Charlie, what's your recommendation this week? Um, well, given that we were on the note of blockbuster franchise and stuff, uh, we were just talking about one that is pretty much failing, but I would like to give one uh, that I think is succeeding. I would say Mission Impossible Fallout. That movie's not like overlooked at all, but honestly, if you guys, like before number seven comes out, if you guys do a recap of like the six um, movies beforehand, I would totally be there. Um, Fallout, I, I love that movie. And it's just, a, it's a typical action movie, but I think it does everything right. So that's all I have to say about that one. Genuinely, I think one of the best action films I've ever seen, at least, especially in IMAX. That I think it's good. vastly overrated. Oh, oh God, go away. It <laughs> okay, is, well, it's boring. Like the, the Henry Cavill thing's pretty good, but he fucking fights the guy at the end and the guy's a wimp. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not having it. I'm sorry, the stake, I think, honestly, Rogue Nation's outstanding. And I like the one before it, but I, I'm not. I I'm sorry, this Fallout so overrated. I'm sorry. I've seen it Fallout. Loves awesome. King of the Monsters, and it's like this is a masterpiece. Yeah. And then short, sure, actually great action film. He goes like, "This is shit." Like I don't know. Don't you dare character assassinate me on here. I'll, okay, say, I'll stand by what I say. Before we're on here for another three hours, why don't we just go ahead and wrap it up at that note? Uh, that's going to be it for this week's episode of Clappercast. Where can we find everyone on social media? Charlie, where can we find you? Um, I'm on. Instagram as Charlie Brown Bruh Bruh all together. And yeah, that's about it. Jack? Um, I'm on both Letterbox on Twitter as well, with the username at Jack Luke Sharp, where you'll find most of my hot takes. Like Halloween 2 is probably the best Halloween film in the franchise. That's my hot take for today. Jakob? Well, I'm on Twitter at Talk About Film on Letterbox as Jakob Flash. And also follow Uncut Gems Pod uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, Shandless Black, sorry. No worries. A good podcast that I'm on most weeks. So, you know, you know it's good then, right? Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at BP underscore movie reviews, Letterboxd, just Carson Tamar. And you can find all the latest releases of film and television reviewed at www.clapperltd.co.uk. We're on Facebook, we're on Letterboxd, we're on Twitter. If you're just listening to the podcast, there's a lot more going on here, a lot of really great voices. Uh, so, make sure to go give them a shout out. Um, and then, you know, make sure to rate, subscribe, follow. We release a new episode every single Wednesday. We'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.